A good Monday morning to the city of Indianapolis. Everybody tuning in to Kevin and Query. I'm Kevin Bowen, Jake Query, and Mark Dykton running the ones and twos for us. On this rather relaxed start to a Monday, I, at least I'm speaking for myself with that. You know, I'll tell you what, and this is going to come off the wrong way because we do a sports show, and I'm very grateful for the opportunity that we have to talk sports with people each and every morning. And we got pretty good jobs, right, Kevin? We have we have great jobs. We have we're pretty fortunate, and I am appreciative of everybody who makes that possible for us. Yesterday, um, it was spectacular outside. Uh, we went and walked the Monon. I, I've not done the Monon like from south to Broderpool, like 54th up to Broderpool. And it was just gorgeous. The weather was perfect. No human. I mean, it was perfect. And I, I don't know how to say this without like sounding counterproductive to what we do for a living. But yes, I mean, I certainly saw, I mean, the, the games were kind of a dud that were on yesterday anyway, right? I mean, Buffalo was, you know, they absolutely, the blue. now the Chargers and Browns at the end, I saw that game. That was exciting. I mean, that was pretty fun to watch the way that that game ended um, was pretty spectacular. There were some good finishes for certain yesterday, but my point being, it, when it was so nice outside, I'm like, it's it's kind of nice to not have to like worry about having to be at or watch an NFL game. I, I know it sounds terrible, but no, I've um, we got outside, uh, had some friends over in the morning, then it was just a perfect fall afternoon, like you said. Um, so we went to a park, and honestly, it timed up just with our family's nap schedules. Not Maddie and I, more of the children. Uh, that it uh, timed up right with the end of the one o'clock games, so I'm like, this is perfect. You know, the one o'clock game is gonna get get over right around four. Rosie's gonna wake up, Max is gonna wake up, and then boom, we can head outside. And sure enough, um, I thought when you said dud, I thought you were referencing Carson Wentz at the end of the game. I yesterday. did see that as well. I, I I I actually sent a tweet that said, you know, I was trying to envision Jim Irsay because Carson Wentz and the Washington Commanders had Tennessee right on the ropes. All they needed was a score late in the game with the final possession, and I was envisioning Jim Irsay sitting there realizing that he had to cheer hard for Carson Wentz. And lo and behold, what happens? Carson Wentz throws an interception at the goal line. Tennessee wins. Now, Jacksonville and Houston, uh, that game, and Mark Dykton and I, I think went head-to-head in fantasy this week, and I moved Trevor Lawrence into my starting quarterback position. That did not go well. And that was the difference as Mark uh, defeated my team by like 15 or 20 points. But the the Jags and Texans, I, I don't know whether that is that Houston is a, maybe just slightly more competent than we thought or, or Jacksonville is going back to being Jacksonville. That's nine straight wins for Houston over Jacksonville. That's amazing. That is amazing. I mean, when you consider who Jacksonville's been, it's not overly, but yes, it, it, it. I mean, Houston ain't exactly stout, right? No more winless teams in the NFL with the Texans getting it done. The Eagles hold off Arizona, so they remain undefeated. I saw this stat flash up yesterday. It's just the um, third time since 1970 that you don't have a winless team through five weeks. Really? A lot of parody. How about like the the Rams are two and three, Bengals two and three, both Super Bowl teams, two and three. Is Justin Tucker the greatest player at his position in the history of the NFL? Boy, that that's a great question. 
It's pretty I mean, nice Adam Vinatieri is what? The most clutch kicker of all time? The greatest Super Bowl kicker of all time? But Justin Tucker is absolutely amazing. Hey, Ray Guy, would he be the other one that would be in the mix? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. It's pretty nice to be able to say 58 yards. Go ahead. Go kick it. We We trust you. And, like, the stat nerds were, you know, breaking down, like, how down the middle he is with all the kicks. I mean, that kick to win the game last night was absolutely perfect. It was, I think the Arizona Cardinals fans and the Chiefs fans can commiserate a little bit. Did you see that Arizona kick to try to force the game into overtime? I did not see the Arizona kick. Um, so Arizona had a Matt Prater, who's a very good kicker. He got hurt, so they signed that dude who Kansas City cut, the one who missed all the kicks here at Lucas Oil. Right, right. And here it is right now. They're showing the replay behind you, Jake. Just an absolute Vanderjack shank. I think, yeah, very similar to the Vanderjack I like the Cardinals all-black uniforms, though. So the Cardinals lose to the Eagles 20-17, to and Nick Sirianni's Eagles are undefeated. If you look at Philly's schedule... I don't want to get too far ahead of things, but I will. They could be undefeated coming here in November. The Colts' schedule, as you had mentioned, if they win, what is it, like their next three, then they move into first in the division. But they're basically, they're a half game behind Tennessee right now, right? Yeah, I mean, the Colts would have been first in the division yesterday if Carson Wentz would have thrown a touchdown in the game. Right. Yeah, you're right. Tennessee's got to buy now. The Colts have the disadvantage, though, the fact that, you know, the first tiebreaker is going to be head-to-head and then division. I mean, they, they lose all the tiebreakers. As of now, a lot of football to be played, though. Yeah, and obviously having the tie on their record kind of you know messes with a bunch of potential tiebreakers. But, um, yeah, outside of that, I thought it was a rather quiet day in the NFL. Um, yeah, it was, a, it was a nice weekend. Uh, good morning to you, by the way, as Kevin had mentioned. Uh, he is Kevin Bowen. Jake Query here, Mark Dykton. Mark, anything exciting for you over the weekend? Uh, we went to uh, Newfield's Headless Horseman event. Yeah, how was, was that? It was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Girls loved it, so if you have the chance, do that. And then just kind of hung out for a while. Watched some football. and really was a true fall weekend. Yeah, it was, for sure. Um, a lot of people were down in Bloomington for homecoming for Indiana. Uh, the tailgating appeared to be better than the game. I, it, so, Indiana making a... Coaching change. Tom Allen firing the offensive line say, coach, right? So we have an offensive line firing in the state of Indiana. <laughs> now, is that the Tom Allen scapegoat for the entire year? I mean, Indiana's got to get it turned around, man. I'm not going to profess to be some diehard IU football fan by any means, um, but in following the program like I have, this seemed to be a move that needed to happen in January. Well, listen, they've got Maryland and then at Rutgers, right? Maryland at home is a must. And then, at, and then at Rutgers. Got to get three more. And then after that, I'm looking at the schedule here. After those two games, Penn, well, they're idle. Then Penn State, at Ohio State, at Michigan State, and Purdue. You could win at Michigan State, right? I'll let you bet on that. They're a 10-point <laughs> underdog at home to Maryland this Saturday. Are they really? Is Maryland any good? Well... Purdue got the best of them. What a wild finish. I tweeted this out on Saturday, Jake. I cannot, and I don't want to make light of any heart issues, certainly with with you, but Jake, if you're a Purdue fan, you need to get checked every other week. Yeah. Cardiac kids, right? 
the end of game situations for Purdue, the final five minutes, it was wild uh, watching that unfold. You had a blocked extra point, a huge drive from Aiden O'Connell. You give up a third down touchdown. One of the weirder kind of game management clock situations where Aiden O'Connell's like sneaking it and falling down and then Purdue scores on third down. Maryland comes down. They score. They get the two-point conversion. They're flagged for a legal man downfield. They try it again. They don't get it. The onside kick, Purdue almost muffs. Just wild. And here you are. Purdue's won back-to-back road Big Ten games, and I would consider them the favorite in the Big Ten West right now. Um, During the Purdue-Maryland game, I was actually – I was kind of tracking it on my phone. I was – and I was, I had a fabulous time. I didn't know what to expect. But I want to thank the folks that put together German Fest out at the Rathskeller, well, the Antonium and the Rathskeller. Um, what a perfect day for it, number one. But I've never been to it. I'm probably usually out of town. And they asked if I could come out and call the Wiener Dog races. Oh. And I thought, okay. And I th- thought literally I was just going to be doing like fun narration of the Wiener Dog races. Well, the wiener dog races take like 10, I mean, five seconds. They, the, the wiener dogs run like yeah, the 40 yards. kills of yeah, Correct. They're, dogs. And they put them in a little starting corral, and then they lift the gate up, and the dogs take off, and they got to run, you know, I don't know, 15 yards. But uh, Lindsey Monroe of WTHR joined me for the latter part of the afternoon. But we had fun calling the wiener dog races, and then we also called the Stein holding competition. Have you ever seen one of these? No. You have to stand with your arms perfectly straight out and hold two full beer steins. Uh, the winner, the guy that won it, went for 13 and a half minutes. A, a big stare down between Whoa. the two finalists. There were about 20 to start. Not many not many lasted. Then the bratwurst eating competition. Uh, congratulations to Jack Kaiser. If anybody in Indianapolis knows Jack Kaiser, the perfect name for a German fest Bratwurst eating competition, but it's a Notre um, Dame linebacker, Jack Kaiser, kind of a ringer, shorter guy, not not a big stature. Eight bratwurst in six minutes. <laughs> now was Chestnut around? Joey Chestnut was not there. I wondered about that. Uh, then the keg throwing competition, a wild and uh, somewhat dangerous spectator sport. Uh, but it was a ton of fun, man. I mean, I had a ton of fun out there. I've never. It was perfect. So then we we went back. And uh, went to have a beer and a pretzel with the hot mustard at the Rathskeller. Um, my man Mike was working the bar on the inside. Paid our respects to Wayne, the one who we'd mentioned who'd passed away, the bartender at the Rathskeller. There's just nowhere better than the Rathskeller, quite oh, frankly. And on a beautiful Saturday afternoon. I mean, absolutely perfect. So it was great. Now, Kevin, uh, for the Colts, you know, you mentioned, I mean, you're looking at it if you are the Colts right now, and... The division is right there, especially after the Houston-Jacksonville game yesterday with the Texans beating the Jags. Jags fall into two and three. Does that make Jacksonville, does that put more like on alert for Jacksonville coming in, or do the Colts get an opponent now that's limping their way in here? Yeah, I think there are certainly some signs. Um, Jacksonville limping a bit. Um you know, right now, this two-week stretch for the Colts, host Jacksonville on Sunday, trip to Nashville a week from Sunday. Yeah, it doesn't get any bigger in an October back-to-back divisional stretch. Uh, right now, Vegas has got Indianapolis still as the favorite to win the division. They are predicting 8-8-1 eight, eight and one for the Colts, and that would win the division and host a playoff game. 
in the month of January. I just posted something to our site. And by the way, I think the app is up and working. So very excited about that. Apologies for everyone that have not been able to listen over the past couple of days. I think we're good on that front and the YouTube stream as well. Jake, this is the easiest division in the AFC. It's been the easiest division in football over the last half dozen years. It is sitting right there for you, which is astonishing to say because you've lost, or I should say haven't won. You tied one of them. Haven't won your first three divisional games of the year. But it's sitting right there for you. And you got to split with Jacksonville, which means win on Sunday, and then go down there to Tennessee, who now is entering a bye week, and take advantage of that. Because I, I just... I mean, nothing I saw from the Titans yesterday make me think like they're any more than just kind of a wounded animal that tries to find a way to yeah, get it but done. They, but they got a really good, I'm telling you. But they're not winning 11. When you have Derrick Henry, you've got a chance to win any game when he's healthy. And that's that's me saying that who has poo-pooed the run game Right, that's what forever. I'm saying. I mean, if you want to, you can load up that box and there's no A.J. Brown. Yeah. But I mean, Kevin Lean receiver yesterday had like you seen, 40 yards. Wouldn't you assume the teams are doing that and he's still racking up, you know? I mean, he he is impressive. I'm telling you, like he just wears teams down. It's he's impressive. We will see what the Colts do this week offensive line related. And Jake, just in general, this is your one break really of the season. The Colts have the latest buy in the NFL. It's, it's it's a December buy. It's like week 14. So if you are going to do anything in the significant change category, now granted they just made three offensive line changes in one week uh, without practice. We saw how that worked out. Um, I found it I- ironic. I was thinking about this over the weekend, Jake. You know the last time the Colts made three offensive line changes in one week, not due to injury? Boy. I mean, you'd have to go back, right? I, I would say... Not due to injury? Correct. Boy, suck for luck here? Week three of the 2015 season. Okay. So entering that year, that was coming off the AFC title game. Colts are the Super Bowl favorite. Everybody's, you know, this is the this is the year. You know, Andrew Luck's fourth season, this and that. The Colts lose their first two games that season. Week three, they decide to make three offensive line changes. And ironically enough, that is the game when Andrew Luck suffers the first hit to the shoulder. That would have been... Really, I guess the start to the end of his career. Uh, we need to come up with new teams in Major League Baseball, apparently, Mark, right? Yeah. Hey. We, didn't, we didn't do too great. My Mariners, still alive, baby. So you took the Mariners, Kevin, right? Uh, Mariners and Astros tonight, or actually this afternoon in game one of now the ALDS. So then now we got, go best of five. We, we were best of three. Now we go best of five. I believe that's right. Then best of seven from there on out, right? Uh, how about the Padres, man? Padres, Dodgers. Here's the one thing I will guarantee. This is a this is the lock of the week. Write it down. Wager wherever you'd like with friends. Guaranteed Jake Quarry lock of the week. Here we go. The lock. Do we have a do we have a sounder for this? No, of, we of don't. Sort? Huh? Because you called you said the Cardinals were going to win the World Series. We don't have a lock of the Mark, week yet. Mark, 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 Mark. <laughs> How how long have we done this show together now? Almost a year. Feels like 10. <laughs> I have great respect for the fans of the St. Louis Cardinals. I covered the St. Louis Cardinals. I lived in St. Louis. 
I like to kind of poke at the St. Louis Cardinal fans because they're kind of incapable of seeing life outside of their biosphere. Mm-hmm. It was the ultimate hex. I'm a Reds fan. So I don't want to see the Cardinals purpose. win the World Series. What's that? You did this on purpose. Absolutely. Set them up for all of them Absolutely. Now, here's the lock of the week. Pretty good weekend for Philadelphia fans. Phillies and the Eagles. Yeah, you're not kidding. Here's the lock of the week. Phillies taking on the Braves, by the way. That game getting underway. Everything's Tuesday, right? Uh, you're right. I'm sorry. Tuesday. I'm sorry. I said today. Tuesday, yes. All four series get underway Tuesday. The lock of the week is with the Padres and Dodgers, there will be at least one, perhaps two, but at least one video that will be released on social media of a fight in the stands or the parking lot between Padres and Dodgers fans. Oh, without question. Yeah. Well, yeah. 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 I mean, hammer the over on that. <laughs> There'll be some Dodgers on Dodgers fans. I mean, last Dodgers night I thought there was going to be a little scrap there when Buck Showalter wanted to check the ear. Joe Musgrove on, on the mound. How about getting one hit in your own stadium? Not good, right? In an elimination game. Mets win, what, 100-some games, and now they're out? Man, if you get – Greg Poley, my buddy, who's a Mets fan, I mean, that's got to be a rough living, man. Um, Aaron Neesmith for the Pacers, a foot injury. Every time you hear the plantar fasciae, Jake, I'm yep. always like, God, oh, that doesn't sound good. Well, I got news for you. Later on in the show, you'll hear me talk about the Good Feet store, and maybe Aaron could stop by. Yeah, uh, plantar fasciitis can be – well, you guys remember me before the mini – I mean, it can be debilitating. Like, you think you have a broken foot. It's terrible. Uh, Rick Carlisle's update on him yesterday was they're hoping he'll be available for opening night. You know, Neesmith comes over from Boston in the Malcolm Brogdon trade, former lottery pick, in a way kind of similar to the Jalen Smith start to his career. For Jalen Smith, it was in Phoenix. For Neesmith, it was in Boston. He was stuck behind some pretty good players, certainly not in a rebuild. And just never really found consistent minutes. It's just really important for him to find a role, which it seemed like with the Pacers it was going to be or is going to be with TJ McConnell and Benedict Matherin in that second unit and try and just find consistency from a playing time standpoint to see if there is, you know, kind of that lottery talent still in there for him. Um, So, you know, obviously something to monitor. But not ideal, considering this is a guy that just needs to be on the floor night in and night out, and you got to see what you have. Well, yeah, you got to see what. That's the big thing, right? Is they need to see what they have, also, right? I mean, you just don't know. Um, Here's one for you guys over the weekend. I want you to tell me if this is a, and if if well, I'm not going to apologize for it because I don't think it was. And maybe it's dumb of me to even mention it on public airways, but I'm so confident that it wasn't offensive that I'm going to repeat it. Over the weekend, I asked a question. I don't even know what made me think of this. But I sent a tweet that said, among the list of people who have won a Heisman Trophy, the most recognized name, the most widely recognized name is indisputable. But who is second? And a few people, not many, but a few people tried to debate with me that O.J. Simpson is not the most recognized name amongst Heisman Trophy winners. And I'm like, there's no way that he is not the most recognized name, right? Well, I was thinking, um, I, I, I was not thinking O.J., I was thinking Archie Griffin. Uh, okay, listen to the question, Kevin. Among the list of names of men who have won the Heisman, whose name is most widely recognized? 
Now, there's a difference between who's most widely known for having won the Heisman. So you mean like common, like I mean, like you stop fifteen hundred people on Las Vegas Boulevard so like with the a common folk with a list of names, and you say circle every name that you ever heard of before. Got when it, you got get the fifteen hundred so mean... ballots back, who has the most circles? It's O.J. Simpson, right? Got it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, especially worldwide. Archie Griffin would be for if so you, you mean said, like stopping my wife on the street and be like, circle which like, name you recognize. Like, does your wife know Archie Griffin? No, 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 no. But I, she knows O.J. Simpson, right? Yeah. So, so at any point, at any rate, one guy responded to me and said, "And well, who do you think it is?" And I said, "Well, I think there are like ten different people that could be interchangeably said and all make good cases for." And I listed Bo Jackson as one of those names that would be in the mix. Mm-hmm. And this guy wrote back and said, I'm 45 years old and I have no memory of Bo Jackson. And I wrote back and said, wait a minute. So you were like 13 in 1990 and you have no memory of Bo Jackson? And then I said, are you Amish? <laughs> and he told me that that was hateful, stereotyping, and slander against Amish people. And I'm like, I, I don't think it is at all. It is a fact that Amish people do not watch television. So they got uh, an early start on the cord cutting. Right. And that's not I mean, I'm like, that is I'm like, I don't who is to say that that's a negative. I'm just saying if you were to it's like saying you, you find 40 degrees cold or you a Floridian, uh, you know, I mean, it's not a stereo. It's not a stereotype. A stereotype means it's based in a falsehood. So, so my question for you guys is, is that an offensive comment to say? Yeah, I don't know if I'm educated enough in that area to know if it was or not. I, I, boy, I don't think so. But Secondly, would you agree, the guy then told me that he has a, a master's in cultural awareness. And all I could think to myself was, well, if you have a master's in cultural awareness, how in the world were you so culturally unaware in 1990 to not know who Bo Jackson was? <laughs> what was his, I mean, what was his answer, Tebow? Tebow is a legitimate answer. I mean, there's no doubt, like, you know, you get a lot of people, there's no, you almost have to take out, like, Baker Mayfield, Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, because they're currently playing. I mean, it kind of is a a skewed, you got to go, like, with the, you know, but Tebow is is definitely up there, because I, I think, personally, it comes down to, you're talking about what, what people's names transcended their, like, in other words, Archie Griffin is one of the few that... He is most known for winning the Heisman because that was basically the peak of his national relevance. Oh, and did it tw- twice. And he did it twice, of course. But, but I mean, not many people can even tell you that he played for the Bengals, right? Whereas other people, Tim Tebow, for example, his fame transcended outside of the fact that he won the Heisman Trophy. I mean, people know mostly for the kneeling as a Bronco and, you know, and then trying out baseball and, and – you know, his his religious stance and, and convictions, you know, things like that. I mean, there are things outside of football that Tim Tebow is known for. I think Barry Sanders is way up there, too, just because he was, you know, his YouTube clips, young people today still know of Barry Sanders. But regardless, if you were alive in 1990 and, and you claim to be a sports fan and you don't have memory of, of hearing about Bo Jackson, like, I don't know where I – I, I would venture to guess, and maybe we should go the fourth floor for this, but Herschel Walker's got some relevance. Yeah, Herschel right Walker's now. absolutely skyrocketed. No question. No, no, no doubt about it. And again, same reason, right? Outside of football. Many bye week is over for the Colts. They are sitting. They got some help yesterday, thanks to the Houston Texans, but Carson Wentz. I did see this was, I think, I believe it was Jason tweeted this at me. Um, I mentioned yesterday that Carson Wentz continues to kill the Colts in the clutch, just in a different color jersey. Jason goes, 
That's a shame because that was a missed opportunity to add in a highlight for the thank you for the memories video that will be played for Carson Wentz here in a few weeks. Big missed opportunity there. That would have been the one highlight, right? Do you think that would have lengthened the video from eight seconds to 18 seconds? That's right. Well, the, the first would have been like, what, a, a shot of him talking with Anthony Calhoun and then a shot of him throwing a touchdown against the Titans. Yeah, well, Carson did a lot of philanthropic stuff in his one year here, so maybe you could have you know, edited in a few videos of that. Uh, but the Colts did not get help from the commanders. And honestly, and I say this in all seriousness, Washington's 1-4 and four right now. And by the way, how about the NFC East? I was going to say, is the NFC East good? I know we are quick to poke fun at it because all the national attention that comes with those teams deserve it right now with Dallas doing what they're doing without Dak Prescott, the Giants getting a huge win in London over Green Bay. They're 4-1. Is Daniel Jones good? I I don't think so, but... (laughs) I mean... The Colts play the Giants on New Year's Day, the second-to-last game of the season. I just chalk that up as like, yeah, as long as it doesn't snow, I can't see Saquon Barkley like going off. Now I'm like... Giants could be playing for something big with two weeks to go in the regular season. Um, But I bring all of this up, NFC East related, for two reasons. One, the Colts play that division this season, and that looks to be the superior division versus the AFC West, which the Colts also play, which is kind of wild. But two, you don't want Carson Wentz to get benched. They're one and four. Yeah, you want that draft pick. Sam Howell? Waiting in the wing. I, the, oh, boy, that's that's the awkward one. Again, a second-round pick if he plays at least 70% of the season. And the good news would good be that second-round pick is looking pretty high. So are you saying you want Colts fans to become Commanders fans? Like, you you needed that one yesterday for multiple reasons. Obviously, you wanted Tennessee to lose if you're a Colts fan. But two, you need to be cheering for Carson Wentz in every single game well, outside quick, of. Quick turnaround for the Commanders. They're on Thursday night this week. So. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. Eyes will continue to bleed this Thursday mm-hmm. with the Commanders mm-hmm. and Mark Sardier Bears. It, that was entertaining late. It was a fun game. Bears lose to the Vikings. Are the Vikings good? No. Another team the Colts will play late in the season. Joel Erickson from the Stars going to join us at 8 o'clock. Want to go over some Colts offensive line stuff. It, it almost seems like we, we should have really seen this coming. I don't know to this extent, but there was a lot of evidence of some O-line regression, not only last year, uh, but throughout training camp in the preseason. We'll get an update on Quiddy Pay's injury situation. The Colts do have several in- injuries to monitor as they return from their mini-bye week. Chris Tenary will join us around 940. The Pacers, um, they lose pretty handily, a really poor second quarter in New York on Saturday night, or Friday night, I should say. Uh, two preseason games left for them, Wednesday and Friday, both at home. So the first time people get to see the renovations at Gamebridge Fieldhouse if they didn't go to Fan Jam. Yesterday, we are nine days away from the Pacers' regular season. Nine opener. times. Looks like a nice start to this Monday morning here in Indianapolis. Kevin Bowen, Jake Quarry, Mark Dykton here on Kevin Quarry, 93.5, 107.5, The Fan. The Morning Checkdown. Omaha! Brought to you by Ball State Football. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com. Omaha! On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. It was a busy day, obviously, in the NFL. We'll get to some of those scores in a second. But, Kevin, the important thing for the Colts, they got to kick back, put the feet up, watch some football, and I guess... Uh, rest any injuries that might have come from that hard-fought tussle in Denver, right? Yeah, Pay with that ankle injury. It sounds like he could miss some time. Um, and then other injuries to watch. Obviously, the Naheem Hines concussion that occurred on Thursday night. 
Um, we'll see where Shaquille Leonard is at with multiple injuries, the broken nose, the concussion. Um, still working back from that back injury. Julian Blackman, Tyquan Lewis. Um, so there are several names. Ryan Kelly had a hip injury. Several names to monitor as the Colts get back to work this week. Uh, early look at Sunday with Jacksonville. The Colts are favored by one and a half inside their own building in that matchup. Uh, on Friday, here was Frank Reich talking about the mini-bye week. What it'll give me the opportunity to do, I'll spend the weekend in here, you know, looking at our stuff, evaluating our guys, and evaluating myself. Hey, what can we do to get better? But then also you get a little bit more time to hey, look around the league. Who's hot in the league? Who's doing what offensively? You know, can you get one or two ideas somewhere that kind of fit into what you're doing? Or maybe there's something new. And we always look at that every week. we got a big team of people that look at that stuff. Um, but on a weekend like this, you certainly spend a little bit more time doing that. We mentioned, by the way, the league yesterday. You heard us talking about it in terms of the AFC South. It was Houston over the Jacksonville Jaguars. 13-6, Jags now come into Lucas Oil Stadium at 2-3. and three. That game, of course, coming up on Sunday elsewhere in the AFC South. Tennessee, 21-17 winners over Washington. The Titans now, Kevin, are 3-2. and two. All right, looking back to on college football over the weekend, Purdue wins quite the entertaining one, 31-29 in Maryland. Aiden O'Connell with 360 yards. You know what I love watching for Purdue is Payne Durham. He had a huge catch and run there late in that game, rumbling downfield. Uh, he was vital for Purdue in that one. And now all of a sudden... You look at things in the Big Ten West. Purdue is hosting interim head coach Nebraska this weekend. Nebraska's two and one in the Big Ten. Uh, yeah, I mean Nebraska's Purdue's right two and one. They're both right in the right in that thick, right in terms of the Big Ten West. Purdue a, an eleven point favorite early on. Michigan outscores Indiana twenty one nothing after halftime. IU fires their offensive line coach Darren Hiller. Afterwards, uh, I think a lot of people would argue that was done about eight months too late. Seven sacks against Connor Bazelik on Saturday. And Notre Dame beats BYU 28-20. Very important win for Marcus Freeman in Las Vegas. That's now three in a row for the Irish after that awful loss. By the way, was the Big Ten West the leader or legend division originally? Oh, gosh, that's a great – well, I don't know if I'd qualify for either of those terms. (laughs) Uh, By the way, Major League Baseball, everything getting underway tomorrow. That is – the division series now in the National League. It's Philly and Atlanta. We are taking who in that? Let's go Phillies. I'll take Braves. Okay. Uh, my man, Paul the Mailman, Mark, huge Braves fan. My buddy Tom Stallings, huge Braves fan. But I'll go with my buddy Doug Weiler and the Phillies. Boy, three buddy references. Like that? 20 seconds. I got one for every team. Get out uh, the bingo card. Padres, Dodgers. Who do we like? I like the Dodgers, but or I like the Padres, but I'll take the Dodgers. Yeah, I mean, I think the Dodgers are probably going to win, right? But Padres are cool. The are Padres. Cool. Did you see them? Probably not. This is like when the regular season was going on. There was like the second to last game. They played the White Sox, and they had these like neon jerseys going on. I, I like those a lot, actually. Are you talking about the Padres? Yeah. The, my I, only problem with the Padres is they changed their uniforms I feel way like they too wear often. camo. Am I <laughs> they wrong? They do. They do wear camo. That is correct. Uh, Cleveland Guardians, my buddy uh, Damian Bowman, taking on the Yankees. Who do we like? You can't cheer for the Yankees. Yeah. So we're going Guardians? Guardians got hot at the end of the I year. I like yeah. the Guardians. Good friend, Sean Esposito, on that one, but no. I'll go with them at the upside. You got a buddy for the Guardians? Uh, Indians. Okay. What's that? It, uh, Yankees. What? What did you just say? I meant Yankees. <laughs> did you hear yesterday, by the way, somebody dropped at the very end of the Tennessee-Washington game? 
the color commentator's like, oh, that's a huge opportunity for the Redskins. <laughs> <laughs> the play-by-play guys like, the Commanders! Uh, okay, Mariners-Astros. Who are we going with? Oh, Mariners, Astros. baby. Astros. Luis Castillo's terrific for the Mariners. I'm going Mariners, too. The fighting Jeff Smolian. Right? Uh, the Pacers, their home preseason opener is Wednesday night. They lost in New York on Friday, 131-114. They gave up 46 in the second quarter. They actually won the first quarter. Gave up 46. Uh, like Tyrese Halliburton, 20-7. Miles Turner did not make a shot in 17 minutes on the floor. Wait not a minute. Did, did Mark... Benedict Mather and 19 points off What the is bench. that jersey you just that showed was the me, Padres Mark? one that I liked. That looks like they were a, cool. They look like a Taco Bell commercial. I know. Who doesn't like Taco Bell? Well, that's true, but not when it comes to the San Diego Padres. Those are sweet jerseys. Looks like Miami They're Vice, nice right? Sweet. The day of the Trevor Hoffman Padres jerseys, I feel like, are long gone. Or the Tony Gwynn. Tony Gwynn's the greatest man. Joel Erickson from the Stars going to join us at the top of the hour. We come back, we'll get uh, into, into some Colts chatter from Frank Reich on Friday. What he had to say as they return from their mini bye week. Kevin Aquari right here, 93.5-107.5, the fan. Sorry, 14 minutes for the hour of 8 o'clock. Mark, did you turn my mic off? No, I don't touch your mic. <laughs> it's 13 minutes before the hour of 8 is when I really start getting into groove on when my mic's You're very on. very loud right now. Do you like there. that? It probably went over your mic. Uh, anyway, 14 minutes for the hour of 8 o'clock. My name is Jake Quarry. Kevin Bowen here as well. Kevin, if you had on your bingo card over the weekend, offensive line coaching change. You might have actually been excited when you saw the headlines because you thought, yep, I knew it. The Colts had to make this change. Nope, actually, that was in the college ranks. Indiana, Tom Allen announcing that Darren Hiller, the offensive line coach and run game coordinator, is being replaced by former Northern Illinois and Temple head coach Rod Carey. We shall see what that means for Indiana's problems in protecting the quarterback as they get set for Maryland. But the real focus, I think, for most people is on the offensive line at the professional level in this state of the Indianapolis Colts. And kind of the musical chairs, that's problem number one, the the inconsistency. Uh, Your thoughts now on the O-line for the Colts as they get set for a very aggressive defense in Jacksonville. Yeah, and a D-line that's whipped the Colts, frankly, in in recent meetings. Um, Outside of Quentin Nelson at left guard, I don't write anything in Sharpie. For this weekend I think Braden Smith needs to be at right tackle that's probably the other one I would get close to writing in Sharpie um, I think it was pretty clear on Thursday night that you didn't have one good offensive tackle playing let alone two with Bernard Ryman at left tackle and Matt Pryor at right tackle so that's not a pairing that I would want to see again at tackle especially because Josh Allen for Jacksonville is a really dynamic edge rusher um, Jake I was thinking more about this though and I feel like we hinted at it, but I just I think there was more evidence to this offensive line taking a step back. Again, as big of a step back as we've seen so far, no. I mean, I'm not going to act like I thought this would be a broken O-line group five weeks into the season. But last year, it was not an elite group. It was a group that I think was good, you know, maybe a little bit better than good. But in particular, in pass protection, I think had some issues. And then I think back to training camp where I thought Detroit controlled the line of scrimmage in the joint practices. And then I know that the playing time wasn't a ton during the preseason, but that preseason opener in Buffalo, you had your starting O-line out there for the first series. Several penalties, 
a strip sack. Frank Reich left the starting unit in for an extra series in that first preseason game. I think mainly because the offensive line had some issues. Week two of the preseason, he leaves Matt Pryor and Danny Pinter in the starting lineup with the backups. The Colts played all backups in that game, but he left Pryor and Pinter in there. Clearly a sign he wasn't pleased with their performance so far at Grand Park and in the preseason. And then the final preseason game against Tampa, where you played your starters more, albeit against a really good Tampa front, your offensive line got dominated in that game. So I think there were signs of it dating back to last season. And then what we saw this offseason, whether it was the joint practices or the playing time in the preseason, where this is a group, not just prior Pinta related, of I just think it's wear and tear on Ryan Kelly over the years. Braden Smith hasn't been perfect by any means. Um, And then you couple that with some communication issues early in the season. And here you are heading into a week six matchup and you literally feel confident in one, maybe two O-line starters. So, so let me ask you this. If you were to look at it and listen, he's a, he's a really nice guy. He's come on the show and he was a good guest. And I know that he's had terribly speaking, some, some tragedy within his family life talking about Ryan Kelly who's been a good player. But I think you are correct, Kevin, in saying that it is fair to say that he is a a good player who has regressed some here, right? So if you were to replace, let's say you were to replace Ryan Kelly with Danny Pinter, would you feel, A, comfortable making that move? I I would bench Ryan Kelly. Okay. And, And I know that contractually that's not the move to make, but I think you're at a point right now where it's time to look at Pinter at, at center. Okay, so if that's the case, then that shakes things up because then who do you replace Pinter with? Yeah, who who plays right guard? Yeah. Uh, you know, that's – and we're going to have Joel Erickson on in less than 10 minutes. Jake, I think a, a thing the Colts have to discuss with themselves is – and I get it. When you're discussing something as a staff in early to mid-October, short-term is what you're thinking about. You know, what's the best five you can put out there for this Sunday against Jacksonville? There'd be an ounce of me that would want to think a little long-term. You know, do you want Bernard Ryman to get this baptism by fire that he clearly got last Thursday night? Do you want a guy like Will Fries to be in the lineup? He's young. Um, If I'm going super short-term, I'd put Nelson at left guard. I think I'd put Penner at center. I'd leave Braden Smith at right tackle. Right guard, I would go with uh, Matt Pryor. And left tackle, I'd probably um, I'd see what Dennis Kelly, the former Purdue product, can do. Really? He's got over 50 career starts. I know a lot of it is at right tackle. Uh, Frank Reich didn't express some like glowingly ringing endorsement for Dennis Kelly when he was asked about him on Friday. But if you're going short term, that's what I would do. Now, if you're going to think a little long term, I'd leave Ryman there at left tackle, but you better be ready to help him because uh, there's certainly some some growing pains there. And then you then you get into, okay, do you put Will Fries at right guard? Um, but Nelson at left guard and Braden Smith at right tackle, those need to be definites. And okay. I'll say it for the um, umpteenth time because I know people are going to ask or people are going to think about it. Quentin Nelson does not want to play left tackle. He doesn't want to play left tackle. And well, some could argue and say, well, he, he should play left tackle. He's making $20 million. Well, he does not want to play left tackle, and he's not going to play left tackle. I, 
whether or not you I, – I get it. I'm speaking rhetorically here. When did athletes who get paid a lot of money get to determine where exactly they play? I think you could argue would he be good over there, Jake. I mean, he's never played that, le- Now, that's fair. Left, that's a, a fair point. He but didn't the play whole, like, didn't I, play I, in I Notre Dame. That, I get that you got to have a guy invested in order for him to be effective, but, uh, you know. I think the result, Jake, could be similar to Braden Smith moving into right guard on Thursday night. Now you're making multiple positions Correct. Susceptible. It's a domino effect, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and I think, to a great extent, the domino effect on the Colts' offensive line can start around the fact, you know, a lot of times these things are falling because of a weakness right in the middle. To your point, I mean, you make a – Ryan Kelly's regressed. And I don't know if this matters, Jake, but, like, Ryan Kelly wasn't voted a captain this year. They had a lot of captains. You right. would think Kelly, based off experience – he's a longest-tenured Colt, and he's a pro bowler. I would say on most teams, if you're a pro bowler and you're the – Longest tenured player on the team, you're a captain. And you're kind of the quarterback of the line, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. And, and I don't want to, I don't want to put like a ton of stock in it, but benching him would not be like benching. I think again, somebody that does wear the C on their chest, quote unquote. Uh, we'll talk with Joel Erickson more about this next year. Kevin Aquary, ninety three five one seven five, the fan. Sun's starting to rise on what looks to be a really nice Monday, Columbus Day. Correct? Is it? Is that not now known as Indigenous People Day? Yeah, I think wasn't there a big debate about that. I think that's right. The same. My friends in Australia were telling me the same in Australia with the Aboriginals and oh, is it um, Captain Cook that discovered Australia? And then yeah, that the sounds same, right. The same debates or discussions, I should say. It's a Monday for us without recapping the Colts game as they just played on Thursday night football. The weekend off for our next guest, Joel A. Erickson from the Indianapolis Star, joins us. Joel, it's kind of a wild question. Or If you would have told us that we would be asking, that I would be asking this question on August 10th, I would have been like, what? But here it is, October 10th, and I can feel confident in one offensive line starter for this Sunday. If I handed you a blank slate, what would you pencil in as your five offensive line starters for this Sunday? Cool. That is a good one. And it is crazy that it's that, it's that hard. Uh, Nelson at left guard, that's the easy one. I think the rookie at left tackle. Is Braden Smith at right tackle an easy one or no? Not not anymore, and I, I don't necessarily think it's – I think they just don't feel like they have anybody who can play right guard. Um, but, but I mean, Pryor was – like, I, I was thinking that maybe we see Dennis Kelly this week at right tackle because that's what more of what he's played. And then, obviously, at center, it's either, you know, is, is Ryan Kelly hurt? Do we see Pinner again? But that right side of the line, you know, Pryor struggled – Pryor wasn't any better on that side – and and so if you, if you play Dennis Kelly, I think he's got to play tackles. So then maybe Braden Smith at guard. It's crazy. You're right. It's crazy how difficult that is to guess the starting line with most of them healthy. Does a healthy Ryan Kelly have his starting job without question? I don't know. I I, I think everything's up. I think everything's up for grabs with this offensive line right now. I really do. I mean they 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 made the big move last week. They, it's it's pretty clear to them that that they they have to figure out something on that offensive line and so i think 
especially with actually moving Braden Smith to guard last week in an effort to get something going. I, I think everything's up for for grabs right now. Okay, so um, that, that leads, Joe, for me to, to a two-part question. And part one would be, isn't this like the most dangerous week ever to start tinkering with this? And I, I, I get that it may that it's out of necessity, but you know Jacksonville. When you're talking about a front four defensively, Jacksonville might be as good as they're going to see, right? I mean, we know that already. And I would argue a, last week was dangerous with no practice time. Well, yeah, with no practice time for sure. But like, but this is, I mean, this is a huge challenge for whoever's going to be out there, right? Yeah, it is. But the the flip side of it is that just about the whole season has has been dangerous um, for for Matt Ryan and for for anybody. I mean, it's the the more you get away from the game on Thursday and everything, I just keep coming back to like this this offensive line is what's holding everything back. And uh, in the absence of in the uh, you know with the, with them I, was, I assume doubling down on everything they're trying to teach and and do stuff there there were max protections on Thursday that disintegrated um you know seven guys into block and and they disintegrated on Matt Ryan and so i think you've got to do whatever you think maybe has a chance uh, you, you have the extra couple days here with with it being a uh, a weekend with having a weekend off, but I think more more so than anything, it's just it's been so bad that they're they just have to keep trying until they find something I, that's even remotely workable. Joel, at, at what point do we in the media, but more so the fans, at what point do people just revolt and go, "This is unacceptable"? I, this is the one area that we were told not to worry about that there was going to be depth and this is where it was going to be built and this is where they were going to be good, and we're five weeks in and we're still screwing around with this crap. Like like at what point are people going to are the are the natives going to get restless and just say enough? Oh, I think we're there. <laughs> I think we've. It feels like we've been there. <laughs> um, it feels like it feels like everyone's pretty restless with that. I the, the hard part is I think from a coaching staff standpoint, I from a, from I shouldn't say from a, from a personnel standpoint, they're getting close to the point where they don't they don't have a whole lot more cards they can play based on what they've got on the roster right now. I mean. Dennis Kelly is kind of the last one. I, I don't think that Wesley French or Luke Tenuta is, is realistically going to solidify everything. So they're, they're, they're getting close to the point where the, the personnel is, is – they just don't have a whole lot of cards left to play. Um, but if it, like I said, if, if, and we keep coming back to this. If they can't get this remotely fixed, it's good. You're going to have to win a lot of games the way you want on Thursday. It's just not, not possible. Joel, a name that I was, I would say, a bit confused by this offseason with not only how things played out with him and the Colts, but really with how things have played out with him in the NFL, was Eric Fisher. Um, do you have any background on that one? Because I, I, part of me thought to myself, okay, you always hear this, the second year removed from the torn Achilles, that's when a guy really starts to get back to his normal self. I think we're seeing Dio Adangbo have some flashes of that. Granted, much younger than Eric Fisher, but they both tore their Achilles very similar times. I thought, you know what, if, you know, if Ryman isn't ready, you know, maybe a guy like Fisher bringing him in, you know, to kind of calm the waters a little bit, but he remains a free agent. I don't, I don't think I've seen his name really rumored anywhere. Yeah, same here. My understanding in the offseason was that the Colts and Fishers camp talked for a while, and then uh, essentially that the Colts weren't going where Fisher wanted them to go, and so that's that's when they had a 
um, you know, sort of a, this, this just isn't going to happen this year. Um, and then I, I don't know much since then. I don't know much about what's happened since then, but it's, it, it's, it's wild that an NFL where there's offensive line problems all over the league hasn't signed him at all. So uh, I don't know if that's just the tape he put out last year or what, but it feels like, especially, you know, I mean, there's teams like the Jets that have lost like three starting tackles. Um, you know, you'd think that he'd be he'd be back in it by now. I, I don't know exactly what's gone on there for him not to end up in a in a league that's honestly starved for offensive linemen right. uh, outside of just Indianapolis. He's Joel A. Erickson, and he's with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. You can find Joel's work at the Indianapolis Star. Does an outstanding job. Okay, non-offensive line division, Joel. The Colts don't have their bye week until December whatever. So this is the one chance to kind of reset, as Frank Reich said on Friday, do some self-scouting. Again, non-O-line division, what else do you think needs some attention, playing time tweaks? Where do you kind of look at for some adjustments potentially coming out of the mini-buy? Well, they've they've kind of been doing this more and more, but, I mean, one of the obvious ones on defense to me is that Isaiah Rogers just needs to be on the field. Um, and he is starting to play more than Brandon Faison, but still, it, yes, it, it yes. is. The last three weeks he has played more, but there still is a little bit of a rotation. And, I mean, I feel like what we've seen in the last two weeks is an indicator that it should just be Rodgers. Um, so that's that's one. Uh, in terms of In terms of defensively, kind of an interesting question that I didn't anticipate having was, you know, they can really let Julian Blackman get healthy because Rodney Thomas is playing really well. And and uh, when they get back, you know, is there a rotation there? I mean, you don't usually do that with safety, but Rodney Thomas is just playing so well right now. Um, maybe he would have had a couple picks if the referee hadn't committed offensive pass interference on Thursday. Um, and then on offensively, it's it's got to be hard, I think, for the Colts to evaluate some of the other spots and other positions, like when you go back and watch the the, the game again, it, there's 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 receivers that are open and they're they're down the field a little bit more. It just feels like everyone is going to play short coverage and cover all the short routes and try to take away the quick throw for Ryan because they know they can get to him. And so it's it's hard to figure out anything else about the offense and what tweaks they might have because. Until they have protection there, it, it just seems like we're going to see the same movie over and over again. Uh, it's a bad movie; no one wants to see it. But it's the one—it's the one that keep, they keep trotting out. Because if, if you're a defensive coordinator right now, you go, "Okay, well they, they're going to try to throw quick because they don't think they can protect, and we don't think they can protect. So we'll we'll keep our coverage up there, and then anything else is going to take a little bit longer." And if I mean, if you go back and watch from from last Thursday. There's a lot of routes that, that are starting to come open, but Ryan's already under duress or going down. I, I realize that one game, Joel Erickson of the Indianapolis Stars, our guest, I realize that one game does not you know, a season make. But if the Colts are in a situation, if Jonathan Taylor's not able to go again, and I don't know that that's going to be the case, but if they continue to get good play by running back by committee, Will it in any way, shape, or form make them reassess the amount or the cap that they're willing to shell out for Jonathan Taylor in a second contract? That's a good question. Um, 
it's going to be a tough decision anyway. I think I think with running back and with the cap exploding, I think part of it, I don't know that they're going to have to shell out nearly as much as everybody thinks they are. Um, you know, if you go back and look at the Nick Chubb deal, I think it was three for 36 or something like that that the Browns gave him. That's kind of the new running back deal. Um, and I don't, I don't know if you're going to – I don't know how much more they're going to be able to get from that given that position. But uh, Deion Jackson – on Thursday, that's the best I've ever seen him look in a Colts uniform, as a, as a running back, I should say, in a Colts uniform. That's that's the practice field, that's training camp, that's all that stuff. It, that's the best I've ever seen him look, and it was it was pretty impressive uh, considering, um, you know, the, the troubles they were having blocking people that, on that day. Joel A. Erickson from the Star is with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Joel, I know the skill sets are different, but to go back to the earlier question about like what do you want to see change coming out of the mini bye week uh paris campbell snaps for me need to decrease significantly and alec pierce's snaps need to increase significantly i think it was like a 30 snap gap between those two campbell out snapping pierce by about 30 snaps on thursday night i I, again i i understand one's a slot one plays more on the outside but i just think pierce has got to be on the field more no that's a good one kb that's a good one because campbell's been on the field a lot for not not a ton of targets or um, or production so far, and and I think I think Pierce and I, I think may probably Ashton Doolin too. Um, you know, he, he came out of last week with a little bit of injury. Don't know where that is yet, but like, you know, Doolin's had some moments here in this early part of the season where you thought where I felt like he was doing some of the stuff that you could see out of the slot and being productive with it. Um, and I think I think that's a good point because. I, I could be wrong. I, got, I don't have it right in front of me, but I think with Pittman missing one game, Campbell has taken more snaps, or at least going into the Broncos game, he had taken more snaps than any, any other wide receiver. And they just haven't had that. They just haven't had that that kind of production from him. And, you know, the the offensive line, I think, plays into that, but it plays into it for all the receivers. And, you know, what we saw from Alec Pierce the other day was, was really good. I, I just I just found it. He's played five less snaps than Pittman. Uh, Pittman obviously missed an entire game, but he's got 289 snaps so far. Pierce and Doolin don't have that combined. Pierce has 155. Doolin has 113. I, I think you could definitely make that change and make it more of a – Pittman, I think, is always on the field, and I think the other three, you, you could even that out some. I just – you know, Joel, I have said, and you tell me if you think this is off base – but I know at the beginning of the year, I was t- when we were talking about the tight end position, and I was saying that you know every quarterback, I don't care who it is, every quarterback has that receiver that you can tell is just kind of their safety net. Like they just feel safe with that guy on the field when all hell's breaking loose and the pocket's breaking down, that they know that's their bailout guy. They can just find him and he's going to make a play for them. And usually it is a tight end player because of the proximity, obviously. It feels to me like for Matt Ryan, all of a sudden that the, he's turned the corner where actually Alec Pierce is becoming that guy for him. Uh, am I giving this relationship too much credit at this point? I I think it's Pittman and Pierce, but I, I think that Pierce's game on Thursday uh, definitely accelerates that specific thing. I mean, we, you're right. We did see it some against Tennessee too, but you go back and look at some of the catches Pierce made in contested situations – 
Uh, and that's that's exactly the kind of thing you're talking about. Even if even if a guy is covered, you feel like you can get it, go that way, and you're you're going to be in good shape. I mean, the one that got deflected. Uh, if you go back and watch that one again, Pierce told me Pierce told me after the game in the locker room that he was just trying to break up the intersection interception and came away with a with a catch. And that's the kind of thing that a quarterback just it's impossible for them not to make a mental note of that. You know, that ball didn't get to where I needed to get to. He made the play. Um, Pierce, Pierce is, is his, I don't think we talked a lot about this, uh, with him either in the draft or, or in training camp. We might not, we don't really see it from him in training camp, but he's, he's really good at using his body to kind of ward off defenders and, and make catches. And I think that that's the kind of thing that, that's the security blanket you're talking about. Joel A. Erickson from the star. He's with us here on Kevin and Query. Joel, just a couple more, um, Injury-wise update, you guys that were in Denver, did Frank Reich mentioned that optimistic about Jonathan Taylor for this Sunday. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, I, th- I think they feel they feel like they felt good that as, at least as, as much as last week, you know. Um, and so that he he's probably he probably has a pretty good chance this week. Okay, and then Quiddy Pay. Um, I guess we're assuming that's a multi-week thing for him. Uh, if so, you think that's more Taekwon Lewis or more Dayo Dengbo? I think it's probably a combination, and I, I wouldn't have said that before, but Dayo has, has made some plays here of late and probably forced his way into that, you know? Um, early on early on this season, it felt like they really only had five defensive linemen. But it, kind of going back to some of the adjustments you have to make, I think one of the ones, one of the adjustments they have to make on the defensive line is they're they're getting some plays from Odengbo, and maybe maybe you need to increase his time and see if you can get a little bit more of that. It, it, he's, I think he's got one and a half sacks, but there's also been a couple of plays. Like there was a play against the Broncos that they tried a bootleg, which Colts fans know has been a, a bugaboo for this defense for a while now, and. Odengbo was right there with Wilson and you know just kind of a it forced an incompletion and it's a play you maybe forget about but it's it's a play that needed to be made and and has gone for big yardage against Colts in the past and I think that you probably with 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 pay out I think you probably um you probably rotate those guys and play them um plus you have to somebody else has to go kind of in the middle too for the pass rushing downs and Grover Stewart's not out there I I can't imagine Last time I saw Quiddy Pay in the locker room, he was on. He was he had a boot on his foot and he was using uh, crutches. So, um, plus, you know, obviously, reportedly a, a high ankle sprain. Those generally take some time. So, I, I'd be surprised if he's back out there. Joel, when you scan through the locker room, Joel A. Erickson of the Indianapolis Stars, our guest on the Payless Liquors guest line. When you, when you go through the locker room and you're talking to players. You know, this has not been a, a disastrous start, all told, for the Colts. There have been highs, there have been lows, but I can see where there would be frustrations. Is there a particular player that you, to you seemingly seems more uncomfortable or frustrated with either their role or the way things are going than others? Is there anybody that jumps out at you where you go, yeah, that guy is clearly not pleased with what's been asked of him or what they've done? Um, I don't know if I've gotten anything where the, the, there's a player who's upset with the coaching staff. I know Quentin Nelson is not happy about the way the offensive line's played. Um, but I think that Quentin is generally more of the type of person who'd go, we've, like, that's on us to fix. Um, 
but yeah, he he's he 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 specifically after a couple of games has been pretty frustrated. I um I think Jonathan Taylor's frustrated, but again, Taylor's another guy who I think is just frustrated that it's it's been hard and it's not supposed to be hard, you know, based on his his background. So I, I don't know if I have anybody who's in the locker room that I think is just you know, furious at the coaching staff right now, at least outward, outwardly, that comes to mind. Again, he's Joel A. Erickson from the Star, and he is with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Joel, hope you enjoyed a quiet weekend. If I'm not mistaken, I believe there's a baby on the way very soon, so good luck with that. And I guess hopefully I'll see you out there, but maybe not. <laughs> yeah, you'll you'll see me early this week. Uh, I, I, uh, at least that's the way things are trending right now. And then, uh, yeah, Thursday. Thursday, and then we're just going to see how it goes after Thursday. Um, but, yeah, our, our third our third is on the way. Uh, it's almost here. And I, I kept telling myself that when I got to Denver, when I headed out to Denver, that that basically meant the baby was here and that it kind of snuck up on me. So <laughs> trying to uh, – this is the first time I've had a, a baby in the middle of uh, – like the middle, middle of the regular season. So that's going to be a little bit of a different thing. Well, in the biggest understatement of all understatements, I think I echo everyone's sentiments. Let's pray that that goes a little bit smoother than last Thursday night <laughs> did. So <laughs> I think we all can agree on that. I, I looked up what the Thursday game was this week, no, and no. Uh, I think I'm watching playoff baseball. I think that's the uh, in, in the hospital room. I think I don't think I'm watching any uh, of Amazon's broadcast yeah introduce your little one to justin fields and carson wentz boy that's that's like me introducing max to notre dame and marshall that was the first game that he got a witness in this world. yeah you got to be careful with that stuff better just to turn on the playoff baseball and and not you know not let anything subliminal get into his head about <laughs> the state of quarterback play good luck with everything we'll be thinking of you man and as always thank you okay appreciate it guys that's joel erickson right there from the Apple star on the pay less liquors Playoff baseball is cool, man. Right? I, I really enjoy it. Um, I think you get kind of that natural crowd anticipation, Jake, like earlier in games, earlier in innings. Yeah. Last night, obviously, you had a nice back and forth there. I mean, there's the just something the about, like, the, the to me, the tradition of, or the there's just something cool about, like, the crowd shots of people and they've got, like, a jacket on and maybe, like, a blanket over them, but yet they're, like, this nervous energy. I don't know. I just think it's cool, you know? Some I saw a tweet yesterday. Maybe it was a Terry Francona quote of like, the baseball season is whatever 160 days or 170 some days long, and then it ends going 170 miles per hour into a wall. Like when it ends, right? Oh man, is it a crash? No doubt. I mean, think about it if you're a Mets fan right now. Totally. I mean, it is like, and you know, baseball is just so fluky. Plus, it's right? a best of three. You know, in these yeah, wild I mean, card, I, it's a best of three. You know, I have no idea what the season series was between the Cardinals and Phillies for example but you just never know I mean in the middle of the year I mean hell the you know didn't the Reds go and take like two of three from the Yankees in New York this year if I'm not mistaken I mean I didn't am I hallucinating that or I think the Reds own the AL East yeah and, and like so you just never know right but they lost 100 games <laughs> 100 games is so many I mean that's that's a lot. Let's sneak David in. I know David's been hanging on for a little bit here. David, want to talk Colts offensive line? David, good morning. Good morning, guys. Appreciate you letting me get on here. Hey, um, I know Quentin Nelson doesn't want to go to tackle. I know. I mean, I know that for a fact he doesn't want to go to tackle. But if you pay him at tackle, to Brandon, uh, Brandon Smith as the other tackle, 
and you put Penner in the in the center. Can you hide two people in the guard position? Yeah, I certainly hear what you're what you're saying, David. Uh, you know, is it a slam dunk again that that Nelson's going to be a significant upgrade at tackle? Are you exposing your left guard a little bit more? I I, I understand what you're saying with hiding. I right now, I think Braden Smith's got to be the right tackle. I think Quentin Nelson's got to be your left guard. And man, after that, I just lack confidence. I do. Uh, my my thing is this. Like, it was easier to hide when it's a Costanzo at left tackle. Think about all the left guards you had next to Anthony Costanzo over the years. You know, you just don't have that presence, and I don't know if all of a sudden moving Nelson over to a spot where he's never really played. Did we underappreciate Anthony Costanzo? Oh, without question. Without question. I mean, I think people wanted to give him a hard time at times, but, you know, Anthony Costanzo, the one thing I will say about him aside from the fact that he's just a super nice guy and, you know, is that guy was only worried about doing what he had to do to protect his quarterback and be a good player and learn the mechanics of his position. Yeah, he's a great pro. That's the best way of saying it, yep. And I I got a ton of respect for the fact that, you know, I think he gave it one he, – he got the last drop out of it from himself – from a mental standpoint, and then was like, I'm good. I'm curious where he – where is Costanzo now? I think he's in the Bay Area, which his roots are, you know, Boston College. I think he went to prep school in the he's Northeast. He's from Chicago. Yeah, and he's from Chicago's parents. I don't know right. if they still do, but they owned a restaurant in that area. Uh, but he always would venture out there in the offseason, that Silicon Valley area, and really smart dude. Funny guy, too. Yeah, he's a good guy. I mean – we're hoping to have Rodney Thomas, by the way. Uh, Rodney Thomas the second, uh, Yale product, the seventh-round pick, who has played very well at free safety. We're hoping to have him on either tomorrow or Wednesday. Uh, and he's been great with Julian Blackman out. So, again, kind of a long injury list, but I would assume Taylor, you know, back. Blackman, he didn't go on injury reserve. you got to think he is back. But the pay injury, I think, is the one notable one from Thursday night that he can miss several weeks. I mean, high ankle sprains, man. Those things linger and linger and linger, right? Great opportunity for Dio Dengbo. Great opportunity for him, who has shown a little bit of flash here early in the week. Kristen Airy is going to chat Pacers with us in the 9 o'clock hour. Let's hit a morning check down. The morning check down. Brought to you by Ball State Football. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com. Omaha. On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. We'll actually begin with college football, the new AP Top 25. There's been a shakeup in the top three. Same three teams, different order. The number one team in the land now, the Bulldogs of Georgia, back at number one, followed by Ohio State and Alabama. Clemson moves up a spot above Michigan, who comes in at fifth. Then the next five, Tennessee, USC, Oklahoma State, Ole Miss, and Penn State. UCLA 11th, is that the like quietest? I think I saw a stat. 6-0 start in the history of college football. Them and USC are 6-0 for the first time since 2005. In, uh, by the way, the coaches poll, Alabama remains number one, followed by Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, and Clemson rounding out the top five. Locally in college football, we saw Indiana make a firing to their offensive line coach, Darren Hiller. Jake, Sunday, or excuse me, Saturday, I know you were out at the Rascaler. That was one of the most pathetic second halves I've ever seen. 
Uh, Indiana, I think, had 24 or 29 total yards in the entire second half. Here's the thing. It was 10-10 at halftime. Um, I understand that Indiana is making changes along their assistant staff. I get it. I'm going to say it again. I think he's a really nice guy. I think he's a great D coordinator. I think he's a, he's a great energizing guy. But as a head coach, Tom Allen ain't it. Scapegoat season in Bloomington, right? Indiana is absolutely stuck with him because Indiana has this habit of, like, marrying the first girl that's willing to go to prom with him. But uh, Tom Allen ain't it long term. But they gave him a ton of money, so he's going to be there. Purdue 31-29 over Maryland. They now have Nebraska at Ross A. That's two 2-1 two and one teams. Purdue, Illinois, Nebraska tied atop the Big Ten West all at 2-1. and one. Notre Dame beat BYU 28-20. Michael Mayer, the tight end for Notre Dame, continues to show why he's one of the best players in college football. I'm worried about that Notre Dame-Clemson game, by the way. Oh, you're just setting that up for a no. For I'm a telling Clemson you, win. putting that Cardinals. It, it, no, actually, it's the Cardinals hex. 100%. I'll tell you this: Clemson will not be undefeated when they go to Notre Dame. There's my prediction for you. Oh wow, where are they losing to uh, then? They got Florida State this weekend, or Florida somebody? State, and then I think they have Miami the week after that, don't they? Uh, no, uh, Syracuse. Syracuse is always a trap game for them. Where is that game? At Clemson. Okay, that helps. So Notre two Dame games and then Syracuse Notre Dame after that. So you think they're losing one of these next two? Uh, Florida State could get them at Florida State. Prime time. I'm telling you. That's the Cardinals, Jake Query. Hacks. I'm not falling mm-hmm. for that one. Yeah, uh, Pacers, their home preseason opener is Wednesday. That'll be the Knicks. And then Friday, the Rockets. The regular season opener is a week from Wednesday. Here is Rick Carlisle uh, after yesterday's Fan Fest about this new look Pacers team. This is going to be fun. It's going to be a fun team to watch. It's going to be a fun team for our fans to grow with moving forward. And... Um, there's just there's just so much upside with this group that it's um, you know from a coaching standpoint this is really invigorating and so you know it's not going to happen overnight um, it's going to take time we're going to do it the right way we're not going to skip any steps um, but we've got good guys that uh, that love to play and we've got good veterans that are going to help our young guys along. Was he next to Jim Mercer's plane there? Oh, that that was a little quieter. That sounded like the ice machine. <laughs> Benedict Mather in 19 points and 18 sure minutes guy. off the bench on Saturday night. <laughs> that's your guy. Just Benedict saying. Matherin, the guy that's going to screw up Just the whole saying. plan of getting a lottery pick. <laughs> Single-handedly... <laughs> Carrying the Pacers to 30 wins. Uh, A little NFL recap from the weekend. The Colts do get some help in the AFC South thanks to the Houston Texans. So no more winless teams as the Texans beat the Jags. Carson Wentz, though, continues to kill the Colts in the clutch. He throws a pick on the goal line uh, with, what was that last play of the game? Or No, I think they had a QB sneak it from the goal line. Uh, The Titans did. The Titans win 21-17. That's a bye week now for Tennessee. Jacksonville comes to Indianapolis this week. Uh, Tennessee leads the division by a half game. The Colts and the Jags will play for second place in the AFC South this weekend. Do we have anything left in the swoosh? Major League Baseball? Did yeah, we already run down that? Scores if you want. What's that? If you want to, go ahead. <laughs> ALDS, NLDS <laughs> time, right? Yeah, hold on. i got to find that sheet that's got the whole schedules on there. It's here somewhere. Is best of three too short? 
No, it's better than the one game off that they I, were doing for a little bit. Yeah, and I get it. You've expanded the playoffs. You can't play these games into the middle of November, but best of three just uh, seems so short. How about this? You realize that, like, I remember when the NBA playoffs had a best of three. Gosh, when was that? Like early, mid-80s? I remember best of five for the first round matches. Yeah, they'd have best of three, and it's like, really? Okay. No, now the best of sevens. You're like, come on, let's go. Well, yeah. this, this, is, this is best of five. Oh, yeah. NBA, the best of sevens. Yeah, you're yeah. like, what are we doing here? Best of five now for the AL and NLDS. Uh, that includes, by the way, these games all tomorrow. Everything getting underway. Game number one, Philadelphia and Atlanta. That game in Atlanta, the Braves hosting. Then that's followed up by Cleveland at the Yankees. Oh, no, excuse me. Game number two would be Seattle at Houston at 330 uh, tomorrow. Then it's Cleveland at the Yankees at 7.30, and then the West Coast game, the late nightcap, which will include plenty of fights on Wednesday morning that you'll see on Twitter, the Padres and the Dodgers. I don't mean fights in the game. I mean fights in the stands. Mark it down, lock it in. We got to hand out our goats of the weekend coming oh, up here. Mark, do you have the sound effect? In a few minutes, we'll do that. <laughs> and also, our first NFL head coach firing, could that be eminence? We'll explain more here. Kevin and Corey, 93.5-175, the fan. Man, it looks nice outside. Good looking like day. 70s in early in the week, right? I think that's right. I've got a cousin in from Florida. She's a lifelong Floridian. Got 40s next week. And she's like, it is freezing here. I'm like, just give it a month. It is the weather, though, where it's like you go multi layer, though. Oh. Mornings, you're wearing, you know, a couple layers to the car <laughs> and then you're shedding it. That's yeah, frustrating for sure. Later in the day. All right, it's time to hand out our GOAT of the Weekend. And again, this goes two ways for us. You could have the all-caps GOAT of the Weekend, or you could go lowercase GOAT. Jake, why don't you get us started? Now, wait a minute, right, Mark. Now that's you a, can do it. Now, hold on. That's that's improperly put together. I think you added some there, Mark. I did add something. What so, do you want? Well, the, the first, when you have the sound effects of goat, mm-hmm. that would imply the goat meaning that guy's a goat like he the was the- of all time. No, because that's what the second is. When you So, on that on that intro, play that again, because the, oh, when you- the, Jake's going to have to cut our own promos now. Okay, now, hold on. Okay. Okay. See, I think of like the net. I, I think of that as being the goat of like you're the Billy Goat. You're the you're the bad goat, right? Well, let's not overthink I'm it just on a hand Monday. Production duties off to you then. <laughs> let's be grateful for Mark here. I'll, I'll come in at four on Monday like Mark did, yeah. putting these together, and that's what he gets uh, for Jake's it. Jake's hired an um, audio tutor now to try and get us through these. I, I will take, by the way, I will take the good side goat. Uh, there are a few guys that, Kevin, I think you said it best earlier, he may be the best ever to play his position in the history of the league. Yesterday, when it mattered most and Baltimore needed points, they once again called on the very trusty, very accurate, and very strong leg of Justin Tucker who now has hit 61 consecutive field goals, this from Field Yates, in the fourth quarter or overtime. 61 consecutive field goals in fourth quarter or overtime, including 27 of them from 40 or more yards. That is absurd. 18 for 18 in his career on field goals in the final minute of regulation or overtime. He has never missed a kick when a game is on the line. Justin Tucker, that 
absolutely. All respect to Adam Vinatieri, who hit, obviously, is the most clutch in terms of the pressure of a moment of multiple kicks. Right. But in terms of consistency over the course of a career, no one Justin better. Tucker, the GOAT. <laughs> And like when you watch is that him, okay to play? You can criticize that too. When you watch him kick, I just feel like the ball just booms oh, off man. his foot. They, I was listening to the radio broadcast because uh, I was driving from Illinois, and they were saying that at when pre pregame he was practicing seventy yarders and hitting a couple. Remember the Detroit game last year? He made that yeah. game winner from was it sixty eight? Yeah, off the crossbar. Yeah, he is. I, I'm watching the end of the Eagles Cardinals game. And thinking, boy, the Cardinals need to get to like the ten yard line for me to feel good about this. Once the Ravens crossed midfield last night, I was like, okay, yeah, I can go to bed. Yeah, Tucker's gonna make this, and right down the middle. Um, okay, I'll go lowercase goat, and I will hand this award to someone that will be inside of Lucas Oil Stadium here in a few weeks. That would be Carson Wentz. Uh, three chances. <laughs> on the goal line yesterday to beat the Titans. I know part of me is like, well, he did lead him down the field, but you pay the quarterback that type of money uh, to make those plays on the goal line. They probably, if they would have used their time a little better, they probably, well, I guess he threw an interception on third down. They probably could have had four shots at it. He almost got picked off, picked off on first down, threw it into coverage on second down, and then third down the interception there on the goal line. So not only uh, do the commanders lose, but, and directly the Colts lose because Tennessee gets a W, and now Washington sits at one and four, and they're looking up at the four and one Cowboys, the four and one Giants, and the five and zero oh Eagles, and thinking to themselves, is Carson Wentz going to make it to seventy percent of playing time? Therefore, the draft pick will either be a second rounder coming to the Colts next year, or a third rounder if he gets benched before. That's that. Great point by you. I, that's a a real interesting dynamic for Colts fans to watch, right? That was a double whammy yesterday in the lowercase goat. And uh, again, a credit to Jason for mentioning this to me yesterday when that Wentz play happened. That could have easily been the highlight on the thanks for the memories video for Carson Wentz at (laughs) Lucas Oil Stadium. (laughs) Missed opportunity there in multiple areas. Thanks for the memories, right? The Eagles now, they moved to undefeated on the year. Um, boy, Nick Sirianni and what he's done there. I remember going on a lot of Philly radio right after that hire was made. And my concern with the Sirianni hire wasn't about the ability to connect with players. or I think he's got a great makeup. I was curious, like, would too much be on his plate? You know, He didn't call the plays here. Right. But he's gone there, and if I'm not mistaken, I don't think he's calling the plays there. Which is interesting. You think offensive hire, you'd think that guy would want to call the plays. He's taking a back seat to that. He's managing the operation. And I think that was a really smart decision by him because that allows, I think, his best strength, which is, again, the ability to connect. He's very he's a fiery guy. And clearly, Philadelphia's gravitated towards that. And here they are, 5-0. and They've got Dallas this Sunday night. And then after that, They've got some really easy games on paper before coming to Lucas Oil Stadium to play the Colts. Were you the one, Kevin, that pointed out that Nick Sirianni might have been one within the Colts building that really liked and favored Jalen Hurts coming out of college? I think there was a general we like Hurts from the Reich-Sirianni duo. And I don't think that was maybe felt from the scouting department. Gotcha. And I guess just to refresh everybody on that draft, that would have been the 2020 draft. 
Uh, Michael Pittman was the first Colts pick in that draft, so that was what thirty. He went right after certainly T- a sufficient Higgins, pick. Right? Right? I mean, you know, T Higgins. I think the Colts would have picked T Higgins if he would have been there. Thirty-three, um, thirty-four overall was Pittman. Forty-one overall was Jonathan Taylor, and then a little bit after that, you had Jalen Hurts go fifty-three overall. So allow me to ask this, Kevin, and I don't know that we would know this answer. So it's it's almost mere of, of a conjecture. But we have things, for example, Indiana University. Tom Allen made a change at the offensive line coach this week. Not a huge surprise. Indiana has struggled to protect their quarterback. And I feel like that's usually a position of, like, competence for IU. I would agree with that. They've had some NFL players. Yeah. 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 Um, but nonetheless – that was a justified move by Tom Allen. But a lot of people, I think, feel like it was Tom Allen, again, kind of scooping out water that's rising around him. He's not going anywhere, though. But in the case of the Colts, if you have Frank Reich making changes at the offensive line, moving people around, and you have Chris Ballard, the general manager, who has... I think taken pride in or discussed his ability to build linemen and depth in the trenches. Is there any chance that you have a, in other words, Frank Reich as the coach has been hired and is trusted to be able to make personnel decisions of who's going to be on the field, but does he run the risk of putting himself in position where he is making changes or, personnel moves that are not in alignment with the general manager and thus creating any sort of a divide i'm not trying to create a divide where one doesn't exist i'm just asking do you think there's a balance in the national football league for a head coach of not only doing what he feels is the best to put the best team out there but also appeasing the construction of the roster yeah i think that's a very interesting dynamic you bring up jake um i think the previous regime had an issue with that I think Ryan Grigson wanted to keep Pep Hamilton and Chuck Pagano wanted to promote his boy, Rob Chizinski. Pep became a scapegoat in that 2015 season, fired after that Monday night game in Carolina. Um, And, you know, if you think back to the Josh McDaniels hire by Ballard, remember Matt Eberflus was, was the Ballard hire. And I always felt like that was a tad odd. You know, obviously the whole McDaniels to Reich situation is weird. That's obvious. But then all of a sudden, Reich is absorbing, you know, Eberflus, a couple of other assistant coaches. So, like, is Reich the decision maker on Eberflus's job, or is that Ballard? Right. That's what I mean. I mean, you know. Because Reich and Eberflus's defensive philosophies were, or I should say, coaching philosophies, were so vastly different in that Reich is – much more of aggressive-minded, week-to-week sort of guy. Iberflus is much more of a we'll do what we do, and we'll just do it better than everybody else, and we're not going to be too innovative and too creative week in and week out. So I've always thought that was weird. Now, I nothing is ever like final, final, Jake, but at 8.46 on Monday morning, and I don't know how many people even thought this was a possibility, but I think had you lost Thursday night, it would have been discussed a whole lot. I'm assuming Chris Strasser is going to remain as the Colts offensive line coach. I, I mean, you're back to work right now. The Colts are back to work today. I don't 
think they get on the practice field today. I thought they might, but I don't think they do. Um, but I would assume if you're going to make that move, and again, 10-day break, this would be the time to do that. It seems like the Colts are not going to do anything on that front. By the way, what did you think about Jim Irsay? Well, I can't believe that 847 now is the first time we're mentioning this. Over the weekend, Jim Irsay sending out uh, a rather – uh, Raquel Welch probably is the most beautiful, like, s- female celebrity of all time. I mean, Shawshank Redemption, need I say more. But um, Jim Mercer sent out a, a tweet with a picture of Raquel Welch that said, and I'm paraphrasing, uh, that ugly win was as beautiful as Raquel Welch, I think is how he said it, or that win was as beautiful as Raquel Welch. Almost like he was trolling, to use that term, people yeah. that, that mm-hmm. were saying it was an ugly win, but... I get it. A win's a win, but do you think fans see that as, look, man, that can't be good enough for you? Well, I, I would think the mentions would indicate everything on that. Um, Jim Mercer had a tweet said, an ugly win is a beautiful thing. That was on Friday morning, correct? Mm-hmm. Yep. He also had this video Thursday night, and Mark Dykton's going to play the audio right here. I think Alex Golden, right? Who covers the Pacers. Not to be confused with Alex Pierce. Um, He he pulled this audio um, from Jim Irsay. This was post-game, I think, with Wish TV on Thursday night describing an ugly win. There is no such thing as an ugly win. Okay. And now let me pull up the Twitter. Jim Irsay. Oh, boy. Raquel Welch. Yeah, that's a lot of... It's a lot there shown. Uh, 109 p.m. on Friday, an ugly win is a beautiful thing. From Jim Irsay. Tad contradictory, right? Except for that he's saying an ugly win is a beautiful thing, thus beautiful supersedes ugly, so it actually is not ugly in its own right. There is no such thing as an ugly win. <laughs> also, that's an insult to Raquel Welsh, I feel like. If you're comparing her to that Thursday night game, we had to sit there. Yeah, I'd say that's very... You might compare her to, like, Bill's Chiefs last year yeah. in the playoffs. I, I'm telling you, that, that poster in Shawshank. That was quite the picture that... You, now, do you think Ursa just has that on his phone, or do you think he Google image that one? <laughs> or how do you think he just... Well, we've seen the artwork in his bathroom, Kevin, in the past. So, he, that might be in the Ursa phone. I, um... Yeah, it was Jason who responded to Jim Irsay, and this is the old... Is this like a military line, Jake, that do not ignore in victory what you would not in defeat? Sounds like a military line. You know what? It is... I don't know, but it's a perfect statement. Perfect statement. Jason, who... Big-time listener for us, he tweeted that at Irsay in response. Do not ignore in victory what you would not in defeat. And I said it on Friday's show. It's perfectly said. I heard way too much after the game on Thursday, and even some on Friday, of we won, everything's okay, we're good. And that is a dangerous, dangerous game to play when you're a football team that's 20 quarters into the season, and while you're 2-2-1, two, two, and one, I'd argue you've been the superior team for maybe a handful of those quarters. Maybe. I mean... That, and that can seep into your building. I said, and I know it sounds crazy, but when we came in here Friday morning, what did we say? Now, we were all three kind of in a fog, but you know, I remember saying, like, was that the worst-case scenario? I know the Colts won and you want to win, but like, is that going to set them back more than just a loss would have because they hit the snooze button and just delayed another week? 
Joel goes, if that ref from the Falcons-Bucks game isn't the GOAT bad, I don't want it. That is <laughs> so true. Joel, I am dead wrong on that. It should not have been Carson Wentz. That was a utterly pathetic call against Tom Brady for roughing the passer as the Bucks beat the Falcons yesterday. All right, well, chat some pace was coming up at the 9 o'clock hour. Uh, continue a little Colts conversations. If you want to join the combo, 317-239-1070. We haven't plugged our emails either, Jake. Um uh, Kevin at 1075thefan.com and yourself. Jake at 1075fan.com, right? Send all your production. Is uh, it 1075thefan or 1075fan? I think it's 1075thefan. Jake at 1075thefan.com. And all your production requests, Mark at 1075. (laughs) (laughs) And I'll be getting a lot from Jake, I'm sure. It's a beautiful Monday here in Indianapolis. Thanks for tuning in. Kevin and Query, 93.5, 1075thefan. Uh, Chris Tenere going to join us 9 o'clock hour, 239-1070 is the telephone number on a Monday. Matt joining us on the program. Hi, Matt. How are you? I'm good, Harry. I'm good. How are you? I'm uh, doing okay. Did you have a good weekend? Yes, I had a great weekend. The only thing I want to say, and then I'll hang up, is uh, how do you get better as a team? You build upon your strengths without a change in kicker and without the defense putting up the performance they did. Regardless of what the offense did, we don't win that game. you got to congratulate the win in at least those two uh, defense special teams units. Uh, that's fair. I, I think without que- – I mean, without question, the defense was – I mean, your stars rose to the occasion. And Chase McLaughlin, they should have carried him off the field for that effort on Thursday night. I mean, you still I, – I guess the point being – and you're right. I mean, McLaughlin – is it McLaughlin or McLaughlin? I believe McLaughlin. McLaughlin. Sorry, I'm so used to saying Scott McLaughlin. I know. I'm um, used to. But either way, Chase, we'll say it that way, the way that they were able to do that, Matt, is they were able to at some point recognize that there were deficiencies in the areas that you're speaking of that were improved upon. So, therefore, in an ugly win, and yes, there are such things, uh, in an ugly win, you still need to find the other areas of deficiency on which to improve, and that now shifts to the offensive line. If you want to join the conversation, 317-239-1070. We'll talk uh, Colts and take a look around the NFL coming up here after week five. Uh, got one more tonight, Kansas City and the Raiders here for Monday Night Football. And Kristen Aries is going to join us in the 9 o'clock hour with the Pacers preseason home, o- home opener on Wednesday. Kevin and Corey. I think it's only a matter of time before Matt Rule gets fired in Carolina. Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's only a matter of time before every coach gets fired in the NFL, <laughs> oh, but yes. But I think he's got to be the odds-on favorite, right, to be the first one fired this year? You would think so. Who else would it even be? I mean, honestly, I'd probably put Nathaniel Hackett second on the list. As crazy as that sounds. He I might mean, not make it to Thanksgiving, the way they're playing. I do find it interesting. I was thinking about this college football-wise from the weekend, Jake. You think about some of these college football coaches that their names were most frequently mentioned with NFL jobs. How about these two names in respect to their current college football situation? David Shaw and Pat Fitzgerald. I mean... Stanford has fallen off a cliff. And Northwestern has as well, right? Pat Fitzgerald... I remember, I think it was last year with Fitzgerald, it was like, you know, the the beauty of if Northwestern has a down year is you know that they've got good, solid coaching and they'll turn it back around. You know, Fitzgerald, every couple of years, has earned that benefit of the doubt. One and two and one in the league and one and five overall. They got the win in Dublin, right? 
They were the darling for one week. You know, meanwhile, if you if you're looking at coaches that have done a really good job, you got to hand it to Brett Bielema at Illinois, five and one, two and one in the league. I, it's amazing that not amazing is the wrong word, but you know, listen, that Indiana better be glad they got Illinois when they did, right? Yeah, you could argue that them or Purdue right now would be that Big Ten West favorite. I'm curious, does the Matt Rule thing does that create? A hesitancy from NFL ownership to tap into the college ranks. Yeah, Again, because Sean he, Fitz- he was the big darling, right? Right. And obviously, Harbaugh, I think, would qualify as that. We'll see if that ever happens. But Shaw and Fitzgerald were frequently, frequently mentioned. Um, and I do think a little bit of an element, Jake, is that physical smash mouth style that Stanford certainly had going for them. And Northwestern, I think, tried for a bit. Stanford much more, though. I think it's really hard to recruit to. I think it's really hard to sell guys on. They're like, oh, yeah, come here. We're going to have four tight ends on the field, and we'll prepare you for the NFL. Right. I think Wisconsin clearly is feeling some of that with what they just did with Paul Christ. Um, I'm interested to see who next will fall into the college to NFL ranks because Matt Rule, by all I mean, I've talked to people in the Colts organization, and Chris Ballard interviewed Matt Rule. They loved him. Felt like what he built at Temple, what he built at Baylor was damn impressive. Program builder, all of that. I don't know. A I mean, bit more difficult. A little, a little bit I different building in the NFL. Kevin, I, th- I think the big thing, if you're analyzing taking a coach from college into the professional ranks, the real challenge in determining is what percent of this guy, like from a college standpoint, What percent of this coach's ability and record is due to motivation of player and what percent is due to perfectly tactician? Because at the college level, you know, a Bob Knight or a a Matt Rule, two different probably schools of going about it, but the the level of motivating players, getting them up, getting them getting the most out of them, you know, psychologically speaking, that's going to be harder to translate at the pro level. Yeah, without question. The pro level, it's just a matter of schematics and then probably massaging ego. Like I have always felt, for example, Bob Knight is a better college basketball coach in terms of on court success and records and everything else. I think John Calipari is really good. But in terms of, you know, Calipari, in terms of titles themselves, Knight exceeds Calipari. But Calipari would be, even though I know that he had his run in the NBA before and it wasn't a a wild success, I, I think now Calipari still would be a better pro coach because the one thing about John Calipari that's always impressed me is his ability to mold and mesh egos to buy into a team concept and that's kind of what you need to do like at the nba level yeah college is what 70 percent recruiting nil all of that and then you know managing your boost getting on guys and and remind you know getting 20 year olds motivated and keeping them like fearful so they're playing hard and you know there's a million things that go into that the nba there are just a lot of guys that are going to be like dude man they're paying me 28 million they're not gonna don't don't tell me what I need to do, you know? Yeah, Alec mentions the name Ryan Day. Yeah, he would probably be 
Ryan Day looks like he had Botox. Have you noticed that? One of the more popular. Ryan Day has, has weird... He's the only person I've ever seen that has bags under his eyes that don't have wrinkles. It's very odd. There's something going on. He always looks like he just... Ryan Day always looks like he just walked two and a half miles in the Arctic winds. Yeah, I, I just assumed it was some skin ailment. Is that what it is? I, that was my assumption. I didn't. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it, I'm thinking of... Then I'd feel bad, but... Maybe I'm thinking of Jeff Brom a little bit more. But yeah, that's just what I assumed with... He looks heavily Botoxed. With Ryan Day. He coach. Ohio State rolls Michigan State hey, over hey. the weekend. Come on, man. And the schedule, I think Michigan Penn State is this weekend, so we're starting to get to more of those Big Ten East. I mean, are we going to kid ourselves? Matches? Is this going to be another year where we kid ourselves into like Penn State, Ohio State's going to be huge. College game day is going to be there. Nittany Lions, da da da. And then, you know, they go, Ohio State goes into Penn State and they're up 21 3 after one. You're like, okay. I mean, is that, is that what's going to happen here? Well, last year, Ohio State didn't make the Big Ten title game. I mean, Ohio State's next game is against Iowa. Let me tell you something. They could put market quarterback, me at receiver, and you at tailback. Ohio State could, and they'd still be at Iowa. Iowa can't score at all. At all. It's one of the worst offensive efforts the Big Ten has ever produced. <laughs> I mean, it's unbelievable. Was it 9-6? Is that the final? Illinois and Iowa? It's pretty bad. Or did the fighting line not get in the end zone? I... I couldn't bear to watch. <laughs> I'm looking here. Speaking yeah, of Big nine, Ten, it was nine to six. Yeah, come on. Speaking of Big Ten football, Bill wanted to talk some IU football. What's up, Bill? Hey guys, how you doing this morning? Doing well. Yourself? Yeah, I'm pretty good. I want I want to talk IU football, but I wanted to mention something about uh, Justin Tucker. Also, I went ahead and looked him up uh, on Wikipedia uh, and uh, read some of the things that he has accomplished in his life. And uh, this dude can sing opera he's a classically trained opera singer who can sing opera in seven different languages <laughs> Jeez. according to wikipedia is that real so i'm gonna go i'm gonna go, out, I'm gonna go out on a really strong limb here and say that there will never be another nfl kicker <laughs> no i think that's an accurate statement bill i think uh, i think and as we know wikipedia is never wrong they bill it's never him, embellished after that let's just put him into canton right now I just I just thought that that was kind of interesting, but yeah, I want to talk a little bit about about IU football. I, one of the encouraging things that I thought that I saw uh, against Michigan, even though you know scoring just really didn't happen, was that the strength of this team is the bubble screen and throwing those you know stacking three guys out on one side of the field and then trying to utilize the speed. They they were able to move the ball on Michigan. They were able to, to get some first downs and get, and get down the field to a certain degree, but. Of course, the running game and then, and then trying to throw over the middle uh, just just didn't happen. So uh, I'm looking forward to uh, the game this weekend. But These second halves, Bill, these second halves, man, Cincinnati and Michigan. I mean, that was a great first half on Saturday and then just wilted in the second half. Yeah, they, they got to, you know, whatever they have to do to be able to tune that up. But you look at the rest of their schedule and the two games that jump out, is Maryland and Rutgers. Maryland at home and Rutgers on the road. And they have to win those two games. No question. They've got Ohio State, Penn State, and then Michigan State is, you know, they play them on the road. They don't perform well on the road. But if they win those two games, if they were able to uh, scratch out some victories against Maryland and Rutgers, and the rest of the schedule goes the way that you kind of can predict it'll go, it's going to come down to the Oaken Bucket game, Purdue coming into Bloomington, with a bowl game on the line, 
and that's when and I mean, we'll find I out mean, what, Bill, what Tom Allen's all about. You could be playing for a trip to the Big Ten that's exactly, title. See, that's it. I mean, that's that's the big part of it is that you never know what could be on the line for Purdue there. But at this point, for Purdue, I mean, Purdue may be – you look at Purdue's schedule. So, Purdue's got upcoming Nebraska, then at Wisconsin. With the back-to-back interim head coach. And then Iowa – at Illinois, that's obviously going to be a challenge, and then Northwestern and at Purdue or at, at, at Indiana. I mean, you imagine Purdue's playing for a trip to the Big Ten championship, and IU's playing to go to the, you know, Micron CPPC Bowl Kevin, and Mobile. I remember very well when Purdue went into Bloomington for the Old Oak and Bucket game, and Indiana was playing not only for a bowl game but to get Anthony Thompson the Heisman, and Purdue scores late. Indiana looks down and out, and they put Anthony Thompson for the first time in his career in as a kick returner with inside of a final minute, and he returned it down to like the 18-yard line or something. Indiana sets up for a field goal by Scott Bunnell, and he misses it. And Indiana misses the bowl game. They miss the Heisman Trophy. So, yeah, it's the bucket game has had huge stakes on the line before. but That Purdue finish was wild on Saturday. Hey, man, credit to Purdue who, you know, if you're Purdue and you're looking at it, for some reason, like, it feels like Purdue's season is a disappointment, but yet, like, they're right there, right? I know that sounds crazy, but to say that it sounds, it feels like a disappointment, but, like, it, it felt like for a while there it was like, okay, here we go with Purdue, and yet there they are, too, as I mean, you exiting mentioned. Exiting Syracuse, I mean, things were rocky. Your quarter, starting quarterback was hurt, and you had back-to-back road games, as you restarted that Big Ten schedule, obviously lost to Penn State in I the mean, opener, kind of heartbreaking fashion. They're not far right now from being unbeaten, right? From being, what would they be, 6-0? and Yeah, I mean, you were right there. Yeah. Penn State and Syracuse were those two. Um, but Purdue found a way to get it done on Saturday and to win at Maryland, and that was very, very important there for the Boilers. Clemson won pretty handily, right? Yeah, they did. I Again, I mean, they were, you know, Boston College, it was on the road, so I guess that's decent, but... Um, I don't, there's just something about Clemson that their defense is really starting to play well. I mean, their defensive they, line is. Loaded. They just kind of get off the f- slow starts, and I don't. I do think that they're going to struggle at Florida State or at Notre Dame. One of those two, they will probably drop. How about yesterday in the NFL? You had four teams score at least 38 points. The four teams being the. Bills, which I think we all probably could have guessed would have been one of the four had you said that before the games started on Sunday. The other three, the Saints, the Jets, and the 49ers. How about the Jets, man? The three and two New York Jets. New York's teams, three and two and four and one. I mean. And I know no one wants to talk about it because I know you're going to hear it in nationally so we won't hit on it too long but some major major credit to the Dallas Cowboys with a backup quarterback continuing to do what they're doing they go on the road beat the Rams and really controlled that game Cooper Rush 5-0 and now as a starter what's going on with the Rams two and three if you had to look right now Kevin through five weeks they need Odell and they need an offensive line give me the team that has succeeded where you thought they'd be in the team not named the Rams that and they miss Von Miller yeah, they do. Give me the team not named the Rams and give me uh, that has most disappointed you and give me the team that has most surprised you at this point. Yeah, I would say most disappointing would, outside of the Rams would probably be Denver. 
See, Denver to me. Not the Raiders, your Super Bowl pick? Well, they're going to get one tonight. They're going to track tonight. The, the, the Broncos, I, I felt Russell Wilson was a bad fit for that from the get-go. But, and Jake, they were like almost a playoff team last year. I, I with get it. Who? Bridgewater and Drew Locke? I, I get it, but I, I I think people thought that Russell Wilson, I have never felt, and I think Russell Wilson has been a, I mean, he's a, when he was, really had it going, I mean, there's no, there's no doubt that he was a high-level quarterback. But I think people fooled themselves into thinking that Russell Wilson was in like the Aaron Rodgers Josh Allen, Justin Herbert category, although he's a, a generation ahead of those guys or a tick ahead of them. But I've just always felt like Aaron Rodgers was a, a beneficiary of what was around him as much as any quarterback. I think he's a very good player, don't get me wrong. But he's an aging very good player. I just and didn't I, think Denver needed that much. Fair. Portland I mean, they, Sutton, Jerry Judy, K.J. Hamler, a defense that, I mean, hell, we saw it Thursday night. I think the defense is pretty good, and... Yet here they are. How about the Giants being four and Giants, one? The biggest That's got to be the biggest surprise, yeah. right? Yeah, without a doubt. I didn't think Pittsburgh would be one and four. I mean, I thought they'd be. I didn't think they'd be world beaters, but I mean, not this far. T.J. Watt right? injury huge, and then obviously their quarterback situation speaks for itself. Vikings at four and one surprise you? A little bit, but again, I feel like they're kind of the Colts of the NFC. You're like waiting for this offensive skill to just take over and listen i realize that they've dealt with injuries but miami now starting to come back to earth a little bit yeah on their third That's, string quarterback now now yeah. this is kind of a dangerous situation did you see the situation yesterday with bridgewater getting hurt i know that it was an elbow no head injury okay but you watch the replay you know the new concussion rules the motors what's the gross motor stability am i, am I, I think i have the phrase right there they pulled him out of the game and said he couldn't go back in the game. And, you know, no one from the Dolphins said they witnessed anything that would have led to that. CBS didn't have any replays that would indicate any of that stuff. It was the independent up in the press box that said that Bridgewater can't go back in the game. I get that, you know, airing on that side of caution is probably the way to go. But, Jake, if and when that happens with a big, big-time quarterback and a big, big-time primetime playoff game, oh, boy. Yeah. You imagine? But the NFL's got to put their money where their mouth is because they, they keep telling everybody that they worry about – Yeah, Patrick Mahomes, uh, we saw yeah. him, you know, wobble a little bit. So, now Chad Henney's going to have to go in the game. The third-string quarterback for the Dolphins is Skylar Thompson. Would we like to guess Skylar Thompson's college? I'm going to go with Kansas State. Mark your guess. Oh, I think that's a good guess. Yeah, I was going to say – um. Go East Carolina. Okay, that's a good guess. East Carolina. TCU, sure. He was like their Whoa! Sam Ellinger of the preseason. I kid you not. That was a total guess. Oh, no. I, I'm not buying that one. Kansas State. Shenanigans. No, wait a minute. Uh, that has to be. Like, I had shenanigans. to. Shenanigans. Hold on. He brings it up on his own. Yeah. And then he gets I, it right. No, hold on. I'm telling you. Like, I had to have seen that somehow. That had to have been like in my subconscious, and I just did not realize it. But yes, he Skylar Thompson, Kansas State. I I must have heard that at some point, but I had on the search history with the new ownership group. <laughs> double check that you. one. I'm just telling you. Nine oh five. Jake's looking up. How can I weave this mm-hmm. into the show? Yep. Oh, <laughs> be the perfect nine eighteen bit right here. By the way, Bill is correct that according to Wikipedia, Justin Tucker was asked by the Baltimore Opera. 
but his schedule didn't align. But he does sing. He has a baritone that sings, can sing opera in seven different languages. Justin Tucker, I know he was not drafted out of Texas. He was undrafted. But, Jake, if next April the Colts draft a kicker in round six, I will not complain one bit. Oh, I mean. It, I, I don't understand people that, like, poo-poo kicker in the NFL. You watch these games. The kickers are monumental in every single pretty much every single one of these games. Justin Tucker is such a weapon for Baltimore. You saw it late in the Cleveland game. Cleveland Chargers, some wild decision-making both ways. Jacoby Brissett throws a horrible interception there late. Not sure what Brandon Staley was doing going for it. Um, Yeah, I am all aboard the Colts drafting a kicker next year in round six. At some point, you got to address it. No doubt about it. Kansas State. Are we really going to believe that one? I, I, I'm telling you, like, clearly I must have, like, watched a game with him play at some point, and it was in, like, I, I have no idea where I pulled that. You watching a lot of Kansas State football? You you and Bill Snyder going I mean, that's back? what I mean. Like, is he still there? I don't believe so. Kansas State football, to me, is like the Ikea of football programs. Like, it looks nice, and then you get there, and you're like, wait a minute, this whole stadium is made out of Lego, and, like, they're, they're good until they it matters, and then, like, it just is like, yeah, okay. So you guys don't like my Raiders tonight? I mean, that'd be quite the upset, I'd say, considering how they've played. Touchdown plus, right? Touchdown plus underdog? I believe so. At Arrowhead? Mm-hmm. Are you putting money in where your mouth is? Well, I already got a lot on the Super Bowl bet. I went so. to a Raiders-Chiefs game, by the way, in 1991 uh, when I was at the University of Kansas. My pledge class, um, we thought it was – cool because we got free tickets to the game but we clearly were being somewhat hazed we had been signed up by the active as a actives as a fundraiser to go to the game for free so long as we stayed afterwards to clean the stadium <laughs> how'd the cleaning go well about mid by about 11 o'clock that night i led the the great broom rebellion where because you had to sweep everything into the center and then bag it all up, mm-hmm. and I finally reached my breaking point and snapped and hoisted my broom onto the field from the upper levels and started screaming, hoist them, hoist them, and soon everybody threw their brooms on the field. It sounds and like Chuck Pagano talking about found the an Lombardi exit trophy. We were volunteers, for crying out loud, and they were like, we can't believe you made it that long. <laughs> A part of me is a little surprised you didn't go back to your old stomping grounds for college game day this weekend. Hey, Lawrence, Kansas, TCU. That was Lawrence um, was rocking. Rosie was really intimidated by the uh, Jayhawk. They kept really? on showing. Big Bird was the frequent message that she it's was. Big delivering. J and Baby J are the two Jayhawk mascots. They had one of those like big blown up ones right, that kept right. on showing on game day. Uh, but they lost, right? TCU, TCU beat, beat them. Oh, this was a good game though. Thirty-eight, thirty-one. College game day back to Rocky Top this weekend. Alabama. That's big. At Tennessee. That, that is, is big. Is that a night game? I think it's in that. 3.30 CBS so window. So, my buddy Byron and I are doing our road trip this weekend. Oh, yeah, we'll I forgot. You're going to trip. Ole Miss, right? So, we were going to go to Ole Miss. It's Ole Miss and Auburn, but we've thought – because the beauty of this road trip is we fly somewhere, we rent a car, and then we drive back, and we just stop and see stuff along the way. And I'm thinking about asking him if he wants to punt on Oxford, Mississippi, and instead – come up through Knoxville and go to Knoxville for Alabama, Tennessee. Do that. That'd be a little different price point. Well, the, here's the thing. With those yeah. SEC games, you don't even need to necessarily buy a ticket, right? That's kind of out of your way, right? I mean, Knoxville's way on the east side. It, it is. 
But, I mean, that's the beauty of a road trip. You just you get in the car and you're like, all right, let's go. Let's just drive. I see Auburn just fired their head coach. Are they going to? Yeah, they're off to a bad start, right? They just got beat again. So I, Ole Miss is undefeated, right? Top 10. I was kind of hoping that, like, Auburn would be good coming into that game. Ole Miss is 6-0. and They're ranked ninth. But I'm telling you, Tennessee, Alabama, number six, Tennessee at number three, Alabama, SEC. I've been to several. I've been to a couple games in Neyland Stadium. There's nothing quite like it. I know it's on the bucket list. Still have not been to an SEC football oh, game. Oh man, got to, got to you. do it. All right, uh, Chris Sanary is going to join us here in about 15 minutes. We'll have the pop quiz. Three one seven two three nine ten seventy. Jiffy Lube oil change up for grabs with that. For now, let's do a morning checkdown. The morning checkdown. Brought to you by Ball State Football. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com. Omaha! On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Jake, the Pacers had their second preseason game of the year over the weekend. They lose to the Knicks. Uh, big second quarter for New York. Indiana actually won the first quarter. Gave up, uh, I think it was like 46 in the second quarter. Tyrese Halliburton, 20-7. and seven. Benedict Matherin with 19 points and 18 minutes off the bench. Miles Turner plays 17 minutes and does not make a shot. That kind of, it feels like we're back to the old Miles Turner, right? The Jekyll and Hyde NBA player. I was going to say, that probably is not great for trade stock, but it is the preseason. Uh, Pacers back in action Wednesday. That's a preseason home opener. And I believe now we're going to get into some TV games. We'll double check down with Chris Denary, but I believe if you get Bally Sports, you can watch Wednesday and Friday, the Knicks and the Rockets. Aaron Neesmith got injured in that Knicks game on Friday night. We'll talk with Chris Denary about that here in a few. Well, Effa. Oh, sorry. That was my response to Jake's uh, Kansas State prediction. <laughs> oh, gosh. What, what? A lot of skepticism floating around on social media. It's ridiculous. Media that was like a seventh grader or like a seven-year-old pulling off a I, magic I, I, trick and being listen, like, bring look it, what I found. Bring it in the back of the math book for their answer. Oh, teacher, I got bring it. Bring in a lie detector test. Bring in a lie detector test. Oh, I, I'll get right on that. I readily admit that I must have seen that somewhere and had no recollection of it, but I'm telling you, like, it just, I, I must have seen somewhere way back that he was Kansas State, but I'm like, that just sounds like Kansas State. Well, Effa. Uh, college Speaking football, by the way. All right, well, you go ahead. Well, I, I thought this was a good little transition to the Padres and Mets last night. Things got a little dicey there. I believe it was the sixth inning. Buck Showalter going out there believing that Joe Musgrove had something, like, behind his ear. I thought it was hilarious when obviously— I wanted him to pull a quarter out like, mess <laughs> yeah, exactly. with him. Exactly. When they didn't find anything, and then he goes, I think it was strike out, fly out, and obviously looks over towards the Mets dugout. Uh, they got one hit, the New York Mets. Their season comes to an end. So, ALDS and NLDS, the matchups, Guardians, Yankees, Mariners, Astros, Phillies, Braves, Padres, Dodgers. Best of five. Those get underway on Tuesday. Uh, college football, by the way. Ball State, you heard us talking about chirp, chirp right up the top there. Ball State football, a win on Saturday, 17-16 over Central Michigan, Indiana State on the short end against North Dakota State, 31-26. Indiana beaten by Michigan, Purdue winning 31-29 over Maryland in college football. You didn't mention Notre Dame, BYU? Notre Dame beating, was it 28-20? 28-20 there. Do you like the jerseys? Yeah, I was on the same time as the Clemson game. I really liked it. Didn't see it. I thought yeah. they looked cool. Thank you, Mark. 
<laughs> I appreciate that. And they played halfway decent in them. I thought just the, the, the field setup looked cool, too. I, I like the look of that Allegiant mm-hmm. field. Um, and it was a great environment. BYU, I think, had a lot of fans there. And um, By the way, what's BYU's – and I'm taking nothing away from Notre Dame's win, but BYU – They it, 4-1, and I think, coming into the game. They lost okay. to Oregon, beat Baylor. It feels like every time BYU is, like, in a game that matters, they lose, right? BYU is an independent, right, in football? They have a wild schedule. I think they host Arkansas this weekend. Really? Can you imagine an SEC team playing at BYU? BYU, when I was a kid, BYU was a, a pretty big power, to be honest with yeah, you. BYU's schedule is kind of nuts. I'm looking at it right now. And then they play, like, just jokes of teams. They host Arkansas. Then they're at Liberty. Then they host East Carolina. At Boise State. Home against Utah Tech. And at Stanford, what the hell is that? Utah schedule? Tech, but then don't they? Didn't they play Baylor and Oregon too? Like um, earlier in the year? Yeah, I think so. Okay, now hold on. Utah Tech. We're gonna guess their mascot. I have not looked at this. I don't know. I, mm, my first uh-huh. thought would be Aggies, but that's Utah State, I think. But the I'm t- get, I'm gonna go with the Arsenal Tech Titans. Okay, Titans. Uh, this nickname is also a nickname for an NBA team. So you know it. I just looked it up. How, how else were you supposed to figure this out? The Ed, thunder. You were supposed to guess. Well, I, I have to look it up. I have to work with the answer. I would, have, I would have gone with Golden Eagles would have been my guess, but you said it's an NBA team? The nickname is the, is the same as an NBA team. The thunder? So, no. It's an excellent guess. I'll go with Hawks. No. Pacific uh, Northwest. Uh, Sonics. No. Trailblazers. There you go, Kevin. <laughs> The it's Utah State Sonics haven't been around in 15 years, and I'm pulling that out. So, yeah, BYU beat South Florida, Baylor, lost to Oregon, beat Wyoming, beat Utah State, lost to Notre Dame, and they have Arkansas Liberty, East Carolina, Boise State, Utah Tech, and Stanford still on the schedule. Utah Tech going to be on ESPN3. Scotty's in I the building. Game. It is pop quiz time here. It looks like a heavy Colts pop quiz. Is Scotty going with a San Francisco Giant motif no, today? The Padres. Oh, San Diego Padres. One of the alternate uniforms. It's one of the 342 jerseys that the Padres have worn in the last two years. If you know the Colts, this pop quiz is for you. Uh, We'll do that next here. Kristen Airy in 10 minutes. 317-239-1070. Jiffy Lube, Indiana's favorite oil change since 1985. Uh, This, by the way, from the Kevin Burner account on Twitter. Uh, when you admit you didn't watch sports, talking to me, hey, Jake, when you admit you didn't watch sports and you announced a wiener dog race on Saturday, please have the presence of mind to talk less and let the city hear Kevin. It's the Kevin and Query Show. You are Robin at best, son. Okay, cool. Ask him what he thinks about the Kansas State poll. I'd like to thank him for following me on Twitter and listening each morning. You said it was an entertaining wiener dog race, right? It was great. I, the whole – Some good The entire German the fest was fun. I mean, like the – the wiener dog races, the like I said, Jack Kaiser, if you know him, uh, ate bratwurst. He ate in six minutes to win the uh, Mo, who was our only female participant in the bratwurst eating competition, recycled. But they had a oh oh wow <laughs> nice image. Thank you. That's a nice visual on this Monday morning. <laughs> Just now, saying. did you take part? No, in the in the, in the brat either contest. No, I was announcing it. Didn't know if you stepped in there. And- it was great. It was so much fun. Like, it was a great, it was it was a perfect day for it. Absolutely perfect. It's time for the pop quiz. Getting Kristen Aries going to join us here in about five minutes. Jake, a number one through eight for the Jiffy Lube oil change. Uh, we'll go with number three, as always. Kevin. Oh. Kevin, what's up, man? Good morning, gentlemen. How you doing? 
I'm fantastic. How are you guys doing? Kevin, do you like your name? I do, absolutely, KB. Yeah, same. I like two syllables, easy to spell, people don't screw it up. Kevin, yes, you sir. sound like a nice fellow. Have you called the show before? I have, absolutely, Jake. And you're from where, Kevin? I am an Athenian. What's that? I am an Athenian. Is that Columbus Boy, East? Nope. Are they the Olympians? West side. West side. About 45 minutes away. Boy. That, that's my, got... kids are, my kids are Chargers. That would be North Another... Putt, right? I was going to guess North Crawford's. Montgomery. Right. North Montgomery, North Montgomery, sorry. Yep. Yes, sir. So Athenian is what school? Crawfordsville. Oh, it is Crawfordsville. Is it really? Okay. All right, fair enough. I've been to the Applebee's in Crawfordsville when I was visiting some buddies <laughs> a while back. I'm sorry. <laughs> I apologize. Neighborhood Grill is what that yeah, is, it was, Kevin. It was, it was a fine <laughs> time. Okay. Not, we should be nearing the Monon Bell game, right? We're approaching it, yes. That's always fantastic. Good time. It is a good time. It is, undoubtedly. All right, would you like for me, that would be Jake, to lead you off, Kevin, or would you like your namesake to give you question number one? Let's go, KB. All right, Kevin. The Colts won Thursday night in Denver despite Matt Ryan being sacked six more times. He has been sacked 19 times this season. Since the 1970 merger, only one Colts quarterback has been sacked more times through the first five games of the season. Name the Colts QB who was sacked 20 times through the first five games of a season. Jack Trudeau, Jim Harbaugh, Jacoby Brissett, or Andrew Luck? Uh, Let's go with uh, Jacoby. One more guess on that one. We talked about his college head coach decent amount. The guy whose last name is most appropriately um, illustrated on the helmet. Oh, luck. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Question number two. Grover Stewart blocked a field goal, of course, in the win over the Broncos Thursday night. Who was the last Colt player before Stewart to block a field goal? Actually, they just saw him not too long ago. Would it be EJ Speed, Ashton Doolin, Danico Autry, or Robert Mathis? Uh, Danico Autry. See him again next Sunday. It was the Colts' travel to Nashville. All right, number three. Colts are the second team in the Super Bowl era to win a game in which they scored no touchdowns through multiple INTs and allowed at least six sacks. The other time it happened was in 1973. Name the former Purdue quarterback who was the winner in that 73 game. Len Dawson, Gary Danielson, Bob Greasy, or Mike Phibbs? Mike Phibbs, by the way, of Columbus. 1973. Is that Lynn Dawson? Dawson. We would not call this the cradle of quarterback. Not not one of the more iconic cradle of quarterback. He's no, in the cradle I, of quarterbacks. I meant games. Not, oh. Not one you think very fondly of. Uh, Lynn Dawson, you said, Kevin? Yes, sir. Okay. Uh, question number four. Josh Allen threw four touchdown passes as the Bills blew out the Steelers yesterday. He has eight games in his career with at least four TD passes, which ties him for third most among four touchdown pass games by a player in their first five NFL seasons. It's a little convoluted, I realize. Which hey, of the, Chris. I know. <laughs> Here's the bottom line. Which of these guys had less than eight career four touchdown games over his first five seasons? So you're looking for the guy that has the fewest number among this list of four touchdown games to start their career in the first five years. Dan Marino, <laughs> Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck, or Patrick Mahomes? Peyton Manning. Probably well good, done. Probably a good thing Scotty doesn't write up your algebra quizzes, Jake. That would be a mouthful for you to have to process that. All right, number five. The Eagles edged the Cardinals to improve to 5-0 and on the season. Who was the Eagles QB the last time they started a season 5-0? and Donovan, Mc- 
You you want the answers? Or you just going with Jaws? I'm just going with Jaws. I was confident. Wasted no time there. No time. I used to love NFL matchup with Jaws. Is he still on TV? I don't think so. Uh, Andrew Luck was correct for question number one. Yeah. Number two, Nico Autry. Loud and proud. Uh, kicking a shutout of balance. Uh, number three, mistaken. this guy's aunt lived in Country Club Heights in Shelbyville when I was a kid, but he was the pride of Columbus. The correct answer in a Browns-Giants tussle 12-10 in 1973, Mike Phipps was the correct answer. <laughs> Peyton Manning was correct. Donovan McNabb for question number five. Chris Denary's next. I'm really looking forward to Wednesday night. It'll be my first look at the Pacers this season. Preseason home opener is Wednesday. Just caught bits and pieces, mainly highlights of their first two preseason games. But I believe Wednesday and Friday, both of these preseason games at home, will start the 84-game slate for Bally Sports. And the TV voice that you will hear will be Chris Denary. Chris, do I have that right? Wednesday and Friday? Both of those on TV? Yeah. Yes, Wednesday and Friday, 7 o'clock. We don't have pregame shows or postgame shows for the preseason. That will start with a one-hour pregame show uh, a week from Wednesday for the home opener against Washington. But you're right. uh, We'll have both games on Wednesday and Friday. I assume I, – I think you and Quinn maybe were like did league pass for the first game, and then I, I just assume that you caught some of the second preseason game. Uh, anything stand out to you in particular about what you've seen so far? Yeah, uh, we, we did do the league pass game last Wednesday in Charlotte. I thought the Pacers played very well. Uh, they didn't shoot the ball at all very well from three-point range, but they got to the free-throw line. I thought their defense was really strong. And then you flip that to Friday night against the Knicks. The, the defense wasn't nearly as good. Uh, their ability to finish in the paint wasn't as good. If you go back to the Charlotte game, guys, they scored 72 points in the paint and were very efficient. Uh, they really struggled in that game against the Knicks. But I think I think you're going to see that this year with a young team. Uh, there are going to be some highs and some lows. Uh, but, but you know, it's just good to see this group get together and, and play a couple of games. Uh, I've been very impressed by Benedict Matherin and his ability to get to the rim. Uh, he did not shoot the ball from three-point range very well in game one, but shot it pretty well in game two. And uh, he just has a, a charisma, uh, you know, something that a lot of times you don't find in a 20-year-old or in a rookie. And I, I just think he's going to be a huge bright spot for this team. Chris, I think that here's what's interesting to me. You know, Rick Carlisle just said yesterday that, hey, this is going to be an interesting season. It's going to be fun for fans um, to all kind of grow together, I think is what the Pacers' mentality is of, listen. And I applaud them for being candid about the fact, hey, we're, we're, we are start, kind of starting over and, and starting from scratch with good young players and letting it build organically over, let's say, a two-year process. Now, having said that, Kevin and I keep talking about over-under. The Pacers aren't going to come out and say, look, we're tanking. But I think that they would not be upset if they fall into the lottery. I'll put it that way. But they may be too talented to completely do that. Because even though they're young, Chris, I think they're going to have nights where it all comes together for them. And they're going to win some games that they're not expected to win. And they, they may, based on talent alone, win 25 to 30 games even without trying. Is that a fair statement? We need 30, by the well, way. <laughs> if, if you look at last year, um, 25 wins. Uh, but 
there were so many close losses. I mean, even before the the trades, uh, you know, the trades were made that that changed the you know the look of the team. Um, you know, their inability to close out games in the in the fourth quarter, they really struggled, and so. You know, you, you never wonder or you wonder what, what that record might have been if they could have changed that. But, but I, I think what, what, what the focus is on is developing this young group and this core of players that I think can be pretty good over the next few years. And guys of the 18 guys on the training camp roster, 11 are 24 years and younger. And you look at a guy like Miles Turner, who is the longest tenured pacer, he's in his eighth year. He's only 26 years old. So the bulk of this team is very, very young. Uh, the bulk of this team has not played together. And so I think that's something that I think you look at yesterday uh, from a fan jam perspective. And I know last year we were still in the, in the throes of COVID and things were different. And two years ago, uh, you know, you didn't really have a fan jam. Um, I was very impressed. I mean, the, the, the crowd was really strong. They're excited. Um, and, and I think these players feel that. And I think, I think that will help this team in games, as you're talking about, Jake, that, that, that they're going to have some really, really good wins this year because of that. Chris Denary, TV voice of the Pacers, is with us here on the Payless Sickers Hotline. Chris, you and I have had this conversation. I'm, I, I really think they are going to exceed that win total. And I guess two reasons, and I was hoping you could provide a little bit more context behind this. What's the stat on the end-of-game situations last season? Games decided by like four or five points. I, I feel like they were just abysmal in that. I think there's an element of just you will, out of luck, you're going to find your ways on the right side of those a little bit more than you did last year. And then over like 400 games missed due to injury, you got to think health-wise they're going to be better than they were last year. No question about that. They were number two or three in the league in games missed due to injury at around 400. And and you're right. The I don't have the number right in front of me, uh, but but that number was large in the games decided by nine points or less, and the games decided by five points or less. And so those are numbers that easily can be flipped around and can can change your season and add five or six wins. So there there's no question about that. I mean, they were they were dead last last year in, in that situation, and you would have to think as this group improves and as they get to know each other. I mean, this was all happening last year, guys. At the end of the year, there were times you'd look out on the floor and there were four or five guys that had played for the Fort Wayne Mad Ants, right. and they were on the floor together. So, so there are a lot of things that can change during the course of the year. If this team can stay healthy and, and, and continue the improvement that we hope we'll see, yeah, that's going to generate a few more wins uh, just because you're going to play better. Chris, I'm going to give you a kind of off-the-wall question here. I know that's shocking. Somebody's listening right now in their car. They've got a 9-year-old kid, boy or girl, either one. And they think, you know what, I, I really want my kid to become a Pacer fan, so I'm going to select a player for my child to follow and root for. I'm going to go buy him a T-shirt or a jersey of this player. And Benedict Matherin would be the obvious because he's a first-round pick. But I want to find a player that just is a good role model for my child in terms of working hard, following through and doing the right things, waiting your turn, being ready when your name is called, and just a good role model. You tell them to buy the jersey of who? Uh, I had a chance to visit with his dad yesterday at Fan Jam, and, I, and maybe this is an easy one. And I, I just think Tyrese Halliburton 
uh, is picture perfect for that. And I think the Pacers have a lot of good guys, a lot of quality guys that you would want your nine-year-old son or daughter to emulate. But when I talked to uh, Tyrese's dad yesterday, we were just talking about him as a kid and how he hates to lose and how he's going to, to do all he can to do that. Um, you can see that, that he, he was brought up uh, in that way. And the one thing in, in talking to Tyrese, uh, probably during the first week of practice, um, I mentioned to him, I said, hey, tell me about your comfort level now. You, you came over in a trade right around, you know, the All-Star break. You played about 25 games. This is your home now. What is that like for you? And he got a big smile. And he said, I am so excited. I, I, I want to be the leader of this team. And with leadership, comes responsibility and if the team is not doing the things that are necessary and it's this is not even wins and losses but to achieve the things that we want to achieve that's a reflection on me so then I have to do a better job to help lead this group that told me all I needed to know and so uh, of all the guys and again Miles Turner what he's done in this community for eight years I mean all the guys from top to bottom but there's no question that number zero, uh, Tyrese Halliburton, possesses those things that you would want your son or daughter to have. And I think the thing that's interesting, Chris, is with Tyrese Halliburton, everything seems to be there to the point where based on Paul George and Victor Oladipo becoming stars, wild members of the Pacer franchise and growing into that, and we saw how that worked out, there has to be that little bit of hesitation, is there not, of like, okay, Halliburton has seems to have the it factor, and this is the guy we can build around, but let's make sure that we don't get burnt by him becoming too big. Is that a fair statement? Well, I mean, you, you've had you've had two guys that, you know, if, if you look at it, their best years, uh, and I know Paul George is still a, an All NBA player, but. He is most remembered for those playoff series against Miami, right? Uh, I mean, that's how he's remembered. And clearly, Victor Oladipo had his best years in a Pacers uniform. So I get where you're coming from. I I just think Tyrese has the it factor. I think the fact that he's, uh, you know, from the Midwest, uh, he's from Wisconsin. Um, You know, I saw his girlfriend and his parents yesterday. I mean, they're all in. I mean, that family is all in with who and what the Indiana Pacers are. And I don't think you can ask for anything better. And uh, I just think I think he's going to be a really, really special player uh, for the Pacers over the next number of years. Chris, like I said, to lead off the uh, interview, really looking forward to Wednesday night. Always enjoy the listen with yourself and um, looking forward to this season, I think it's an exciting era, and fans should be very intrigued. I saw you mentioned yesterday how big the crowd was, and um, I think it's well-deserved for the Pacers and eager to see things unfold. I'm looking forward to having you on more during the season, and uh, we'll be watching Wednesday night. All right, thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Kristen Airy right there on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Are you going to the preseason game? I think I'll be watching. Okay. Yeah. You going? I don't I don't think I'm going to the preseason game. Um, the first game that I had scheduled, circled, if you will, is the 22nd of October. Who they got? Uh, Detroit. Those first three, Wizards, Spurs, Detroit, for someone that's made a bit of an investment, those are three that I would like to – I'd like to, a few of those to be a W. 
because the next five are on the road: 76ers, Bulls, Wizards, Nets, Nets. The schedule has a very f- like home feel for four, road for six, home so for I know six. The, the schedule used to be very loaded, Kevin. Uh, for the Pacers to get things up front so that they, in case there's a tournament that they're hosting in March. I don't think it's the case this year. Gotcha. That makes sense. All right. Tomorrow, Joe Madden, right? Manager of the Cubs. Rodney Thomas from the Colts, either tomorrow or Wednesday. We'll chat about it tomorrow at 7. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Kevin and Quarry, 93.5, 107.5, The Fan.